football pod on OTB Sports. And the best thing about Dublin, all through their great period, was the fact that they had these characters that when it came to the big moments and embraced the ground shaking crop The football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, you're very welcome along. It is OTB AM. It's Jer and Johnny with you through all the way until 10 o'clock this morning. If you've got anything you want to get off your chest and there is plenty to get into, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, it's... 7085 is the WhatsApp number or of course you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream or the hashtag is OTBAM and OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish your day here's what's coming up between now and 10 we're going to get into the uh, Gillette Labs performance ranking straight away when we've got Alan Quillen standing by Anthony Moore is going to join us in studio to look back at the football going to focus on the Kerry Dublin game with him then we're bringing the sports pages some news not much uh, apart from the actual games over the course of the weekend and Michael Meehan's going to talk to us about the Galway game at 8.50 Gregor Paul's going to join us from New Zealand for the uh, Kiwi viewpoint uh, although obviously he's Scottish but anyway uh, Sunday papers at 9.30 getting into the meet and drink of some of the other stories in the weekend but uh, let's get down to business Gillette Labs performance rankings you know that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance probably should have won the game based on their second half performance is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup maybe not OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head that performance is just lack that intensity oh I don't know how this is going to go Johnny what, give me, give me a, a, an advanced preview how are you're, you going to perform in the performance rankings this week because I don't think you've actually done this bit before have you the performance rankings? Yeah. I think I have, yeah. There's a lot resting on your shoulders because it's easy to screw up. A lot of people have tried this and failed it. Um, I'd, I'd uh, nod to Colm who's come up with the uh, rankings here and I, I think it's very hard to disagree, Joe. I think we've... Um, Thrown Colm under the bus in case this is no good. Yeah, well, I think the, the, there's a very obvious place to start. Um, and that's the, Hawkeye, the red, isn't it? The red, yeah. So that's how they start. We start with the red, and I then was we go on to the amber, and then we go on to the green. And if anybody out there wants to have their viewpoint, we're on Instagram. Yeah, you're doing well so far. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I was at Crow Park on Saturday, and I was um, relatively kind of well positioned to judge Shane Walsh's score, and was pretty confident that it had gone over. But immediately, um, you know, after uh, the referee went to Hawkeye, because you know you think, okay, that's fine, Um, I obviously got that wrong, I wasn't 100% sure, and you move on. Then the stream of WhatsApp messages start coming through on the phone. And what, Hawkeye was wrong. It was like, this was something that just, it was very hard to get your head around. If Hawkeye is wrong, can you trust anything anymore, really? I mean, this is Hawkeye. This is not only football, but hurling, like a little slitter going over the bar. And tennis. And tennis. And debating these tiny little nuances where you think the technology not only got it wrong, but got it so badly wrong and possibly got it wrong for the glass point as well, um, it would seem. Yeah. So, it was, it, it was again, it was one of these incidents of where... Uh, you're not shown certain replays at a game, and I remember Rory O'Connor bringing this up before, and it was about some game in Croker where you're sometimes you're better off being at home, and this this instance you're better off being home because we had no idea that this was going to be overturned and Gaul were going to merge a point better off level effectively into the second half, and the PA guy at Crow Park 
has to give the announcement like oh by the way um it's actually four points apiece, not four points to three. And the place kind of went wild. And it was a psychological boost for Galway. But, I mean, for the technology itself and for the GA's relationship with it, where does it go from here? I mean, this is catastrophic, really. It was an All-Ireland semi-final. Well, and, and then they didn't have it for... Didn't use it for yesterday. And will they have it for the All-Ireland turning final next week? I don't know. Like, it, it, it does reduce your level of confidence in... Life. Uh, well, I'm not going that far. I'm, I'm not going that far. I'm not sure I can trust anything anymore. Like I trust much more other parts of technology. Yeah, look, I don't know. I mean, we need it because the umpires tend, as a rule, umpires tend not to be great. I think we can all yeah. agree on that. And uh, I think Hawk has been brilliant. Like, and I think it actually adds to the drama. It's so quick as well. And uh, I, I, I'm a fan of Hawkeye, and I, I've sympathy for umpires. It's not always possible to know exactly whether the ball is over the bar or not. Tab of the morning to you. Flack Hawk down is the headline. <laughs> Hawkeye fiasco fury. Former GA president Sean Kelly wants payment stopped to Hawkeye operators after the croaker fiasco. Don't pay them if the service isn't working. Somebody said, I don't know, uh, it's a significant amount of money per game. Uh, and obviously it costs a huge amount of money to set up the facility. And that's why we don't have it in every ground. But like, if it's not going to work. What happened? I mean, how did this, how did it malfunction to the extent that like, it was... I it don't was know. So, it was so clearly wrong. Like, it just made shit up. Can you ever like, trust it again? The robots are taking over and they're just mm. making shit up. It's like, oh no, at that, that point, no good. Oh, Maybe no, wait, the US wait. election was wait, rigged, was, I don't know. It was totally, I mean, that, look. But if, if it were, if it had been a close game, I mean, we had, we could have had this horrible situation of having to go to a replay or something like that because of Hawkeye, but it, it was very stranger and it was... Uh, eight like, grand a game. I, I, eight grand a game. That, that That's, whatever, that's, I don't think that's that much money to the GA, but uh, where does the technology, can you ever trust it again, really? People will always be questioning Hawkeye now and going to the CCCC, bringing Hawkeye into disrepute. Um, and as Park Joyce said, maybe it is human after all. Uh, well, or not, you know, mm. it, just, it just doesn't really make any sense. What happened? I mean, we do need a serious inquiry here. But if this had happened in the 73rd minute, there you go celebrating possibly, you know, their first victory in a long time into an All-Ireland final or Galway. And it's like, no, no, Hawkeye got it wrong. What do we do? Well, were there loads of points in the uh, Dublin carry game that weren't points? Like... There might have been. There were definitely a couple that I thought were... Um, I think James McCarthy had one score that to me looked at least questionable and who knows. It yeah, was a one-point game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end, there certainly people were thinking, hmm, because it looked a bit wide. But mm. like, it, and I'm not, picking so, I'm not picking sides here, but I'd say there probably were one or two. Like, it's very hard for an umpire. We're, we're, it's quite, you know, I've always thought umpires are, are among the most underused kind of um, officials in sport because... They're, they're they're generally kind of mates of the referee or whatever, and they do the job, but they're not like they're not spotting stuff that they could necessarily. No, and sometimes their positioning is terrible. Sometimes their positioning is terrible, but sometimes like when you look up uh, and the ball's gone over the bar and it's pretty much gone over, and then you have the Dublin goalie like shaking the stick as well. I mean, it's not necessarily the easiest job in the world. No, All but right. Hawkeye in, in the red. We... Hawkeye's definitely in the red. Okay, what what's next? Uh, next is Terry in Dublin. Yeah. This is just to follow on from that. I mean, obviously, this is a red in, in a kind of a we have to put something here type red because Derry and Dublin, <laughs> it's not like Dublin disgraced themselves. But Desi's, Desi's uh, you know, tenure looks what happens from here because it was, it was a disappointment here at the championship. Derry, I, I was, I thought Derry, you know, brought football itself into disrepute at times on, on Saturday. It's hard to watch a game like that, um, even as a Galway fan, having. I've been at Crow Park for the hurling well, a week before. Well, it's, 
Pino now. Well, it, it's I, not their job to entertain you, no. especially you, the Galway fans. No, like, it's not. But people wouldn't. If, they should if, be annoying you. Like I, yeah. I, like it's not this. Uh, the are the custodians of the game. This is the beautiful game is being ruined by these people. It's like no, no, no. But Derry's, they, they, Derry's job is to gouge their way to a victory in that match. Derry's jobs get more than like six points in seventy minutes. They as did well, fail. They failed at that. Um, so they they did like they they failed. I don't think they had the footballers to be fair. But what you have now with a football game, even at an All Ireland, even at an All Ireland semi final, is that people spend much of the actual game chatting. They literally just talk and they're like, what's the crack? What are you go? Where are you going after the match? Because the ball is just going over and back, over and back. There was a score even yesterday in the game that I think Jerk Canning um, extolled the score. What a score after a build-up of three minutes and, so, and change. I, I'm not sure people really want to watch that. So I, I think I, I, I would... I've often, I often watch football now and I do wonder, should there be like a time clock and how long you have the ball? Um, and I know like that they're encouraging to kick the ball with the mark and all that, but Derry, the first half was obviously was horrible to watch. And Galway were in Stuck. I mean, they'd one point after half an hour. Yeah. Um, but eventually, obviously... I think, in fairness, eventually the better team won. But like Derry, Derry fans, I think, were pretty demoralised with the whole occasion from the second half onwards. I think uh, Derry were a bit like and just didn't show up didn't do what they were supposed to do didn't do what they were capable of and the it seemed a little bit like the occasion got to them um, possibly um, I think their game plan was good for the first sort of half hour um, and I, I, there was a lot of uh, schadenfreude in the um, audience when the policy of bringing the goalkeeper out went you know against them so badly in the second half yeah spectacularly so um, what a finish by, by Comer um, and so you must be feeling pretty confident about victory over Kerry in the final. I think the odds are crazy. Like I think we're four point the four point spread the bookmakers have given. I think we're hundreds of thirty outsiders. I don't see it as that. I, I've I've uh, I've been very impressed with Galway. Kerry, I think Kerry sort of fell apart a bit in the second half yesterday. Let's let's remember there were five points up, missed a penalty, but they were kind of out on their feet in the second half. It was a hot day at Croker. What are they, five individual scorers? Galway, like, neither Finnerty nor Walsh scored from play on Saturday and will both play better in the final. Um, I'm very, very confident Galway will give them a good, good game, a very good game, actually. All right, and will the Galway fans travel in numbers? Well, it's it not, yeah. I mean, not a huge football county. Kuda, well, like it's 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 a sign of how much of a basket case Dublin is at the moment. That it's like they couldn't. They were nowhere near filling the ground yesterday for Dublin and Kerry. Yeah, yeah, they weren't. Uh, I don't think. I think the Dubs showed up in massive numbers. Like I think a lot of Dublin fans realised that that was an All Ireland final for them, and uh, I, you know the hill was full. Uh, I don't think there were that many Kerry people at the game yesterday. Mm, they seem to make a good bit of noise, but I, I would implore people who have friends from Kerry or Galway coming up potentially for the final to offer them a bed because Dublin is insane at the moment, and people, some people just cannot afford it, which is a bit sad for an All Ireland final. Johnny has many beds, and he's just offered them to any of the Galway uh, people coming up. I presume you're not putting any Kerry people up. Ah, oh, absolutely. Um, Owen Sheehan. He'll do at, at a gig with him Friday night, we're, we're all, we all knew this was going to happen. And we, I did call last week. It says it's going to be a goal with Kerry final. There you go. All right. So uh, we'll talk more about Dublin being in the red uh, with Anthony Moyles in about twenty-five minutes' time. But uh, for now, we're moving on to the amber. This is where the buoy comes in. Morning, guys. Colin, how are you? I was waiting for the Johnny introduction there, but yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, while this is happening, the Dublin Kerry fun was happening. It was actually such 
poor timing from a sporting context is that we went to a tie break and the fourth set was injury time in Dublin Kerry right. and I saw Dublin equalise and I was like okay I'm going to play my cards here that's going to go to extra time I can comfortably watch the tie break here watch the tie break Djokovic won his 21st Grand Slam flicked back over and Kerry were going mad celebrating huh? could you not have pressed like huh? record on one of them and then no because then if you press record it records the whole thing yeah, and then the but TV you can take it at the that. start of the recording, which would have been when it was level in the carry. Oh, it's not the same. I mean, if you miss a live, you've just missed it with a moment like that. And also, I knew I had the highlights to fall back on. Mm. I just couldn't believe I missed that moment live, and then to watch it back, what I actually missed. But the tennis was worth it for missing because it was exceptional. I'll give you one stat, lads. I'm going to take you back to the Australian Open in 2010 when Roger Federer beat Andy Murray, and when he did that, he had 16 Grand Slams, and on the same day, Djokovic had won. And for the first time ever, Djokovic has gone ahead in Federer wow. in the Grand Slam race. He has 21 Grand Slams to Federer's 20. Nadal is ahead with 22. And of course, the fascinating element of this, if it wasn't already interesting, is that Djokovic probably won't play a Grand Slam again until the French Open next year. Because, because at the time of speaking, he won't be allowed to play at the US yeah. Open because of the vaccination stance. And he's technically deported from Australia for the next three years, <laughs> unless they change their tune there. So it could be the French Open next year again before Djokovic plays. But he's one behind Federer now in the all-time record for Wimbledon titles he's levelled Pete Sampras on 7 it's 4 in a row for Djokovic but it was a really good game two anti-heroes kind of yeah it was like the biggest anti-establishment <laughs> win of the finals since Goran Ivanisevic against Pat Rafter in 2001 and Ivanisevic of course is Djokovic's coach now but I thought Kyrgios did extremely well I was speaking to our resident tennis fan here from America Owen who thought the same too was that he really put it up to Djokovic in the first set and I was thinking to myself if, Jock- if Kyrgios could play like this with the focus and attitude that he has in this first set, he'd be the best player in the world. Can't touch him. His serving is exceptional. He was serving 81% in the first serve. Djokovic couldn't handle him. But it's not just that. When the ball was in play, he was able to, to hang with Djokovic, basically. He was able to rally with him, no problem. The backhand is exceptional from Kyrgios. He hits loads of forehand winners. But what happened was Djokovic lost that first set 6-4. Didn't bother him. Did not bother him. He's, he's won dropped loads of sets. Loads of sets. He's dropped, the last three matches, he's dropped the first set. But in his last four slam finals, he lost, lost the first set. And he's won. And I think in he's won 12 of the last 14 matches at Grand Slams where he's lost the first set. So if it's not already that difficult and intimidating enough to play Djokovic, imagine the feeling of giving it your all, playing your best tennis in the first set, winning that first set, and ultimately realising that the match just started now. Yeah. Because Djokovic, he doesn't, doesn't care that he's lost that and Kyrgios said it in his press conference afterwards that he was asked like what's the difference with Djokovic you know and he was like well it's not so much his game he's like Federer used to embarrass you he'd make you feel bad Djokovic allows you to hang with him so, so does Nadal but he said what Djokovic has is composure you can't rattle him you, you, you can go two sets up against Djokovic which Stefano Sissipas did in the 2021 French Open final and Djokovic won the next three sets comfortably. You cannot do it. The only guy who was able to do it to him was Daniel Medvedev in last year's US Open final where he won 4-4-4 four, 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 when Djokovic was going for the calendar slam. He was the only guy who could do it to him. And Djokovic that night admitted that the pressure got to him. But against Kyrgios, he just hung with them from the second set onwards. But there was a crucial point, lads, that one all, 30 all on Djokovic's serve at the start of the second set. There was a long rally. Had Kyrgios won that, he would have set up break point and then he could have potentially gone two sets up. But Djokovic held in that game and then broke him to love in the next game. And as soon as that happened, you're like, bear in mind, we're only halfway through the second set. Kyrgios is a set up. And the feeling was Djokovic has won this match. Yeah, it's mad. That's how crazy it is. And then the real defining point was uh, four all in the third set, one set all. Kyrgios is 40 love up on his own serve. 
and loses the next six points and that's when he starts turning on his box and I mean properly turning on them mm. up to the point where the last point of the game he's still shaking his head at the box because I would have thought well at the end of your tournament now you can put all that aside and be like thank you so much box for this great support for the last two weeks but he actually didn't reference them in the, the in on-court post-match interview you know he, he talked about them but he didn't congratulate them or thank them for all their support but I'm sure they're, like, they're a very tight-knit bunch there's no coaches there they're all friends girlfriend there as well it's, it's good to like Van Aert in the cycling um, is kind of making up the rules as he's going along in this tour and it's brilliant to watch even though he's not likely to win it he's doing stuff that just looks mad and it's great to have that element of just like the quirks of the human being involved like because it makes it interesting like. yeah well, and, that's and human frailties as well in his case definitely I and I think uh, look tennis needs like to get the casual observer more interested it can be a pretty alienating sport it can be dull to watch if you're not invested in the players like you really have to get invested in the personalities what about the Russian winner though who's abandoned oh, Russia yeah. for, Kaz- for yeah. Kazakhstan yeah like, well I mean like- look Born and raised in Moscow, switched to Kazakhstan in 2018 because Kazakhstan backed her career financially. That's why she went. It was for those reasons. And she was asked about that afterwards and she did quite well. She was kind of like, you know what you want me to say? Like, mm. But it wasn't anything political on her part. She did this, you know, before the war started. This was a purely private professional decision to further her career because the the Russian Federation weren't backing her as a tennis player and Kazakhstan were and that was the decision made I think uh, Bublik did the same thing on the men's side so it was a remarkable statistic to read because the hoopla before this year's Wimbledon was no Russians or Belarusians allowed so you have in that case the world number one Daniel Medvedev was sitting on his couch yesterday watching the Wimbledon final because he wasn't allowed to play and yet the women's winner born and raised in Moscow that's tough um, yeah yeah we should mention Nick Kyrgios has uh, an outstanding issue in yes. Australia where he has been accused of assaulting an ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend last December, yeah. This is, like, this is important that yes. this, this gets mentioned now every time he comes up because we would do the same with uh, any of the other yep. people. And like, um, you know, well, everybody is entitled to the presumption of innocence until mm-hmm. otherwise. Um, but Yeah, he's due in court in Canberra on the 2nd of August. And depending on the result of that, you know, he might not play the US Open, you know, they might take away his passport as part of the bail terms. Yeah. But we don't know. Like this pure speculation at this point point, as you say, he's currently innocent, he's, you know, defended himself and legally. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that is it's very important to note that because it is easy to get carried away in the totally. entertainment value. Yeah. But this this is an ongoing story that broke last Tuesday, I think, in the middle of Wimbledon. And so it really is important to to mention that as well, especially to people who might not know about it like that. There is a court case coming up in his native Canberra on the 2nd of August. The uh, English tabloids are having a, a great time because um, some of the royals and one of the kids, I don't know any of the names. Yeah, George, How you know the know names. names. You know the names. That's very curious of you to not know the names. I think you know the names. Sworn. Swear to the throne. This is it here. There he is, yeah. For people who can see. Uh, the new nasty Nick. Nasty Nick turns air blue during Wimbo final. Air, H-E-I-R. You know, um, it was like 35 degrees plus and they made the poor young fellow wear a suit. I mean, look. Do you know what I mean? Uh, there was a great point where Kyrgios was lambasting his own box using every swear word he could and then you could see in the background <laughs> <laughs> just watching that. <laughs> he was like, he's going to take that away like that kid. He's going to remember that. He was fined four grand. Uh, he shouted up towards his girlfriend and sister complaining about their apparent lack of support and saying do you effing care at all yeah I mean like uh, yeah and at that point you could see the William it, it was tw- and the family behind it, 
It was 25 degrees in Ireland yesterday and it, it felt like really warm and I was like it's 35 degrees in Wimbledon like yeah. I was struggling to sleep last night in 25 yeah, yeah, degrees yeah. it was like how are they dealing with this in Spain It wasn't a bother to the two lads but mm. the spectators would have been like baking in the sun for three hours mm. uh, and then he also got a, got a fan kicked out <laughs> No he tried to get a fan kicked out Was that the I one I don't know if she was The one who was sledging and he Tem- temporarily kicked had out. a pop at her yeah, so he, so he was talking. She was talking to him between points and then he said to the umpire Looks like, like she's uh, had beers she's, uh, 700 beers bro <laughs> And uh, then it turned out one of the journalists did the research and in the post-match press conference said it to him was like she actually only had two drinks and she was supporting you and then he was like so what she was talking to me during the points uh, Polish lawyer Ania Palos 32 uh, had one pims and one rosé it's the temperature for me I had no hat I'm really sorry he always says the crowd is against him I wanted to show we were for him I wanted to encourage him and uh, curiosity of the umpire why is she still here she's drunk out of her mind and speaking to me in the middle of a game he's, he's like you know I mean come on there was a protester as well who was removed actually and what was uh, he or she protesting I don't, against? Know what, I don't know what the protest was because I think it was actually dealt with so quickly that the protester didn't get to send their message which would be a disappointment for the protester afterwards he was asked about that curiosity was like did it distract you and he said oh, I noticed it he said, but it didn't distract me it's a key difference. Probably one of them just stop oil lunatics. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they were protesting. Right. That's so Wimbledon in the. It was. A, it was a. It was a good Wimbledon, though. I have to say. I think. Uh, I think people enjoyed it. I think the highlight for me was actually the Kyrgios-Sitsipas match, which was just great fun last Saturday night. That was amazing. Yeah. But on the women's side too, it was a really. It was a really good final. Anders Jabeur was a set up. Should have won that, but uh, Rebecca is a kind of worthy winner. And unfortunately, the only thing she has to deal with now is is the whole where she's from thing. But she was actually brilliant oh, and a deserving yeah. and a deserving winner. Like and really happy to have won too. It seemed. She didn't celebrate. There was no like. Yeah, but I, I, I don't. Uh, that's the, yeah. That's throw, that's throwing at her a lot. But like that's that's ridiculous to throw that at her. Like we're pe- policing her celebrations. People rea- people yeah. react differently to they things do, in life. Do. Like people are different. You know, like some people don't go mental. Chakovich didn't actually go that crazy yesterday. But no, she won and she like reacted like you win a first round match at Wimbledon. But uh, I, people react. People are different. Like they are. Yeah, Guilty you know, they are different. So is Hawkeye. Yeah, no rhythm. Yeah. Right. Um, that was that, it alright good Enjoy stuff that. what's in our green that's you so we're, we're, we're only yes yellow hair no we're, we, that was Wimbledon we just did it we're in green come on I can't I'm having colour problems here Galway and Kerry yay what's after that then what's the Irish rugby the colour code looked green to me There, it is green it's a traffic light system it goes red amber green that's it Galway and Kerry into the All Ireland final, I was minded to think back of 2001, Ger, when Porrick Joyce scored, I think, ten points against Meath, and lo and behold, he delivers us to the promised land for the first time. 21 years later, when Galway apparently were going to dominate Gaelic football um, for years to come at that time, and haven't been to an All Ireland final since, and didn't win a game in Crow Park for I think 16 years, and. Uh, there was a lot of a feeling of uh, pride in Crow Park on Saturday to see all these Galway jerseys. Um, and I think Galway turned up in reasonable numbers. I mean, it's been a busy time if you're at the Armagh game, the Limerick game, then back up for the Derry game. And Porrick Joyce to have led them, considering the legend that he was, a Gaelic footballer and what a beautiful footballer, and to bring them back to a sort of more traditional style, married with a defensive style that the modern game necessitates um, has been quite remarkable to watch um, 
probably haven't gotten a terribly bad draw. It got through Connacht, then Armagh and Derry. You wonder how strong Ulster football is at the moment. They avoid the big dogs, which has given them a realistic chance. Kerry are there. I think it was a performance you could pick some holes in yesterday. Um, they I kind mean, of fell apart. I think physically they were shot in the second half, which oh, is maybe Sheehan, understandable. Owen Sheehan took today off for fear that the second half might happen yesterday the way it did. But I wish I could publish the stream of messages that were coming through and, you know, how, how downcast they were as the, the Dublin comeback happened. But then they get out of jail and maybe they forget it all. And maybe that's all you need. Like, yeah. The one thing that did strike me about Galway, Galway were the first team to win through the back door. Are they going to be the first team to win having come through a penalty shootout as well? Mm. It's right there for them. It's right there. We're going to talk more detail about this. I think they've, I think they have a very solid chance. I really do. Right. Okay. So they're in the green. Who else is in the green? Uh, so Galway and Kerry, and then Irish Rugby. Who um, I think there was a game on Saturday morning. There was. There was. We're going to talk about that right now. That is this week's Gillette Labs performance rankings. Alan Quillen standing by. We'll talk to him next. OTBAS performance rankings with Gillette. Right, Alan Quillen. Good morning to you. Morning, lads. How are you? Uh, we, we was it was it Johnny who was giving you grief for like saying oh, you, you can't see a way that Ireland are, are going to be able to win? Then last week it was somebody. Uh, no, because he said I can't see them winning, but then he said I can see them winning. Yeah, and he was right. Turns out. <laughs> <laughs> he was well, right yeah, I had that feeling beforehand that it was going to be better. Um, having watched some of the trainings, sometimes it counts for nothing, you know. But body language, uh, sound bites, and press conferences, and. Probably the player and me thinking, yeah, they're going to respond here and do something a bit better, uh, fix the wrongs that they 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 had the week before. So I just had a feeling they'd be a lot better, and I was kind of going with the line that if they're in the second in the game in the second half, it's not kind of a, they're not down a big score. Um, a little bit of doubt may set into the, the New Zealand players and Ireland with growing confidence, but they started the game magnificently, didn't they? Um. So you've analysed the game for us already on, on uh, Saturday. I'm very interested in the aftermath, and like so, after that, you probably got a chance to talk to some of them. What what were they saying? Because like, um, uh, Ty Byrne is in the papers today saying that uh, Paul O'Connell got the the locks together and was like, "You you all don't have a clue how big this is. You don't really fully understand what you've just done." Because he played nine times, I think, against the All Blacks and never got in, within a sniff, or some sniffs of, of nearly winning. But like, he's like, "You've just done it twice. This is incredible." So he's um, he's the world's most enthusiastic man when things are going well. What was he like afterwards? Um, I think what I noticed, Jared, on pit side afterwards, they were very kind of um, obviously happy and ecstatic with the results but there was lots of little whispers of um, it's all about next week now it's all about next week uh, well Johnny Sexton went and he was interviewed and he said it's all about Tuesday night they've got to support uh, the rest of the squad in, in the game against the Maoris but I think they know deep down that um, there's going to be an aggressive reaction here and you know the public were going wild um, there was an air of shock around the place from the New Zealand fans who were at the stadium um, the press were shocked the coaches players but the Irish team were pretty relaxed I thought like obviously that's, that's, is there is there three guys who've won against New Zealand five times Connor Murray uh, Keane Healy no not Keane Healy Connor Murray Johnny Sexton Tyg Furlong um, that's some CV isn't it five times you've played you've, you've won against New Zealand so um it seemed pretty relaxed, but a lot of the focus was quickly kind of turning on. And I like the way Farrell said, um, 
we've got a we've a series to win now and we're going to try and win it like the the easy thing here Ger, would be well Pat's on the back fantastic we've got that historic win and does it really matter about next week but I love the desire and the attitude of them um, it's going to be incredibly difficult because I think there's been uproar here in New Zealand lots of pressure back and Ian Foster again so it'll be interesting to see how Ireland deal with that pressure this week Is there any um, sense though like of sort of anger in the Irish squad as well about just the physicality of New Zealand and like really wanted to do them do one over on them after the two tests I think there was a bit of anger internally last week with some of the decisions that went against them in the first test um, that was um, mainly around their clean outs past the breakdown Johnny um, they were tackling Irish players without the ball, mm. basically, as they went over the rooks. They got penalised for that this week on at least two or three occasions um, by Jaco Piper. So that suggests that Ireland highlighted this to the referees, um, uh, to Jaco Piper and his team of officials this week. So they watched out for it. You know, every team kind of does that in rugby and it's usually kept behind closed doors, bar what happened with Rassi Erasmus last year. He went public with that. Um, but it happens after every game. New Zealand will be sending clips to Wayne Barnes and World Rugby this week that they're not happy with this, that and the other thing that Ireland did, trying to find ways to influence the referee. So um, it's kind of role reversal in, from one week to the second week. New Zealand's discipline was terrible. Um, it was really, you know, erratic. And I think for them not to have learned, and because I think that would have been said back to them that there was some issues around their clean-outs, for them not to have learned that and to, to do the same stuff again in the second test, I think they'll get away with it, was probably naive of them. Um, that's an area that they got to fix. Their, their overall discipline was poor. Um, but I think for Ireland, again, Johnny, some of these players will have played, you know, it happened in Chicago, back to Dublin. It happened in, um, you know, the, the aggressive reaction there back in that game a number of years ago. Um, we saw what happened at the World Cup after we beat them in, at the, in November in, eight, in 2018. What happened in the World Cup, their reaction. So um, they're going to be very, very physical on Saturday night. But I think this team, and uh, I was chatting to Donald Lennon about this, and we like, we both came to this conclusion without getting carried away. Now I have to be careful because, but like, it's an incredible achievement and they're a bloody good team. They're actually a, a strong mentally uh, powerful side who can do you were able to do this to respond from the week before in a, in a really hostile environment because the crowd were pretty nasty on Saturday night at the game as well um, and to bounce back from from what happened in Eden Park the week before and, and and get a performance but the interesting thing how will they deal with next week um, the inevitable kind of aggressive reaction I think um I hope they're ready for it. I think they'll know about it and um, they'll be trying to back themselves to play and uh, be accurate themselves again. Uh, talk to us about the, that crowd um, and just how nasty it got. There's some reports online of uh, Irish fans getting a bit of hassle. Yeah, I spoke to some fans afterwards. Um, there's a tour group here with Rugby Travel Ireland and uh, um, I met some of the supporters afterwards and, and was talking to them and they were they were kind of they were a bit shocked by the reaction, um, some of the abuse they received during the game and the reaction when Ireland won the game at the end. 
I know there was a lot of booing when Johnny Sexton was taking penalties. I wouldn't put much heat in that. That's just, that happens all over the world. Um, but I think a little bit of nastiness from a, a minority, I would say. Um, and there's some of the old, there's older people on the trip here and, and, and older supporters. Some of the parents were were abused and a few times stewards had to come in and remove people. Really? Who j- just a very, a very yeah, very mi- minority group, I'd say. Um, they just, I suppose, got a little bit nasty, had too much drink on board, stuff like that. But there was definitely a few incidents where some of the Irish uh, supporters weren't, uh, were a little bit shocked about what was happening around them. Um, but again, I've loads of great friends in New Zealand. I've lo- um, the welcome we've got since the start here has been fantastic. So I don't want to tarnish New Zealand or, or their supporters, but there's certainly a minority who probably think, well, you've no right to win here. And uh, they, they just didn't behave too well on Saturday night. And again, a small minority, so I don't want to kind of go too hard on that. But there was definitely a bit of nastiness there around from the crowd on Saturday night. Okay. My understanding was like the Kiwi-Irish relationship would have been very good. It is, I think. But I think, look, there's some... It's like everywhere. I, I don't know. I just I just thought, well, when New Zealand play in Dublin, I think they're very well respected and welcomed. And there's, it doesn't really happen. But look, again, it's a minority because I don't want to make a big thing out of it. But I just thought I was a bit shocked by some of the... Uh, the supporters who came back to the same hotel that I was in, they were kind of a little bit... Um, there was definitely one or two incidents where the stewards had to come in and remove people from... They were quite abusive and nasty, and there was a lot of uh, vocabulary, n- not so nice, um, vocabulary being used around. And, like, some of that abuse was being directly aimed at the fans. It wasn't kind of going out in the field to the referee or right. or anything. It was being aimed at, Ze- at Irish fans, which was a bit upsetting because some of them, as I said, were parents. Um, it's not a big thing. You know, the welcome we've got in New Zealand here has is, is been fantastic, but... They don't like getting beaten, really, and I think um, a small minority reacted nastily on Saturday night. Um, Peter Manny had one of the games of his life, uh, and also is going to be, um, you know, celebrated for the uh, interaction with uh, Sam Kane. Who do you think you are? You're a shit, Richie McCall, pal. <laughs> this might be the last act of his tour, though, because there's an injury doubt about him. What, what do you think? Is he is he likely to be able to play uh, next week, or is he gone? Do you think? I don't know. I think he he pa- he had a HIA, and that's when he went off for it. Um, he uh, passed the first HIA. That's all I know. Um, so he's to do another one either probably tomorrow. Um, I think they'll want him to play for sure. He's been brilliant, and not just this year. I think he's had, and not just this this tour. I think to be fair, you know, I've worked on a lot of games this year that he's he's done, and Munster have had a. You know, a difficult end to the season and uh, some highs and lows throughout the year. Uh, probably more disappointments, but certainly a few high points. And I think one thing that I've said right at the end of this, right throughout the season, is he's found form this year and, and a real spark to his game and, and an energy. Um, maybe it's an all, you know, when you get a bit older, he probably previous year he was under a bit of pressure. He was didn't get picked in November, he was on, on the bench. He's now fought back and got his Irish place, and I think he's he's been fantastic. And uh, it was an immense performance from him on Saturday night. And and but you know, I took Doris. You asked me about killing Doris last week in the first test, and and it was a fair question. And he had a quiet game in that first test in 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 uh, Dunedin, in in Eden Park. He was brilliant. 
Josh van der Fleer just continues to get better and better and, and the consistency in his performance. So I thought it was really crucial that the, the, the three of them in the back row worked incredibly hard together as a unit, uh, making tackles, making carries, slowing ball down, turnovers. You, can't, you couldn't pick out any Irish player that had a bad game. They all had brilliant games and they'll need to do the same this week. Ty Byrne, you know, he wasn't playing since November uh, or since the end of the Six Nations. Um, t- started last week and this week, he had some brilliant carries as well. I thought James Ryan was brilliant as well. Um, he, he got pinged in the yellow card, but he was throwing himself about as well. And the front row were, you know, so much better. Scrum and line out. Andrew Porter scoring two tries. Uh, phenomenal. So, you know, for the backs to operate, and, and um, I was asked this about Johnny Sexton as well after the game, He's, his performance was brilliant, but his forward pack um, were superb on Saturday night and they allowed Ireland to attack and, and um, launch different attack plays after set piece and they put so much pressure on that New Zealand backline. He's he's thirty seven today, I think, Sexton, is he? I think today's his birthday. Like Yeah, it's wait, today. Yeah, it's today. Just from your perspective, like I am not I'm not bit massive into rugby. Where, where how how much of an outlier is it to be able to perform at this level and where does he stand in terms of Irish sporting greats to to be so vital to a team at thirty seven and to be like obviously one of the greatest out halves that we've had? Like is he just is he just continuing to kind of break the mould in terms of what he's doing? Yeah, he continues to keep setting the bar higher and higher. I think um, his leadership qualities, um, he's probably been questioned a lot in the last couple of years. Um, would he continue? Would he? Should he be picked? Should he be? And, and rightly so, because eventually he's, he's going to finish after the World Cup and we've got uh, somebody else is going to step up and we, we, we've probably... Um, lacked a, a lot of depth in that position the last number of years um, but I, he's just been phenomenal I think he's mental strength and he keeps kind of um, getting better and better and um, I, I was asked this question today and, uh, by a journalist um, what, why is he getting better and he just looks so such a threat with the ball in his hand I just think he challenges himself continuously to be better that sounds quite simplistic but he puts pressure on coaches to give loads of detail um, and he just wants to get better and better all the time I know every player goes out and wants to be better and play at the top of their game but I just think he's continually trying to to improve his game and he's at a level where he's very mentally strong he's had plenty of setbacks but and you can think the, cha- the challenge here Johnny for any rugby player you said it at the start Jerry, you know Paul O'Connell never won here uh, never beat them home or away Brian O'Driscoll did and lots of great Irish players even before that um, it's just kind of a given now that they have this self-belief and, and it's driven by a lot by him as well he's very mentally strong so you know 37 years of age uh, to be doing what he's doing is uh, is is incredible, really? Yeah, it's it's. Um, I, I, there aren't that many. I don't. I, maybe like, is it Ruby Walsh? Are there the other people that you would be kind of comparing? Jockey to going to his, his for like where the late stage where Ruby was still yeah, better. and he he was Ruby Ruby was broken up, but like Sexton at that level of rugby, just that seems a complete outlier to me. Um, 
at that age we don't want to do it. Is it is it is it the the confidence he inculcates in others by just being there that lifts everyone? Well, that that's definitely an aspect of it. That's that's it, like, and that's not just confidence uh, that they get from him. It's like instruction. It's like mm. you know, it, it, his rugby brain is is uh, very impressive, um, which is allowing his his body just, to catch just up. Just on that, Joe, like you know, taking the decision to go for the scrum when the, when they got the the yellow card with with Runga Fassi, like. You talk about a rugby brain. Some people would just kick that into the corner. Now, Ireland messed up the, the subsequent attack off that scrum, but he, he's immediately, mm. he knows the laws inside out. He's probably thinking two steps ahead where he's going to attack. I think he's such a brilliant reader of the game. That that makes his attack really, that makes his game um, so good that he's he's thinking about the game all the time. And just, you know, so to take that decision, I remember going, whoa, that's, that's some call. I wouldn't have thought of it, you know, when you're watching the game or you're, you're doing the commentary, you're thinking, geez, oh, I, I didn't think of that. He's thinking straight away, they've got to bring eight into the scrum. So two of their back line have got to come into that scrum. Mm. And he's thinking of that really, really quickly. Now, I know we, the Ireland stuffed up the attack. James um, Lowe dropped the ball. I thought it was the wrong decision to try and move it up wide there. They should have just punched it up for a, for a phase or two. But anyway, that you know, he, he probably... He sees the game a uh, couple of phases ahead, and that that yeah, you know that helps him, and and he's able to kind of bring people around him with him. That all led to the uh, situation with who's coming off the fifteen men back in the field, where it was like, hang on a second. I mean, the All Blacks really get refereed differently, but are they allowed to bring a man back after they've had a man sent off? I'm not. Uh, that did speak to um, a team which is a bit of a shambles at the moment. What's the outcry been like from the New Zealand media? What are you seeing there that is like a response to this? Because it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond. There's a possibility that we drive a dagger into them this week and it's a full-blown coaching ticket fired Joe Schmidt, new coach. Like everything is on the on the cards this week, and that's why all of a sudden this game matters a whole heap. But what's it been like down there? Um, very negative towards what, what, what the results the weekend. I think uh, I think the the New Zealand public and press are kind of holding their powder a little bit um, because if it goes, if they respond and bounce back, I think they do realise, Jared, uh, and and maybe they weren't patronising us before the tour, saying that Ireland are a very good side and they're a dangerous proposition. Aaron Smith said before the tour, I said this to you, I think, he said the week the week of the first test, it doesn't get any bigger than Ireland. Um, probably a little bit far-fetched, to be honest, but um, I do think they have... Um, Ireland have earned um, their respect uh, in the last number of years and uh, earned it enough that they're very wary of Ireland. Um, Saturday night kind of brings it to a new level that Ireland have now won here. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there'll be a little bit of patience. It won't go crazy. It hasn't gone crazy. There's been a lot of criticism, of course. Yeah. There's but been lots of calls for changes. Yeah. But if they lose this wing, I think it'll go to that level that you're right. talking about. One, one quick word. The um, team has been named for the, the test tomorrow night. Uh, Jeremy Lukeman, Niall Scannell, Tom O'Toole at the front row, Joe McCarthy and Kieran Treadwell are in the second row, Keen Prendergast, Nick Timoney and Gavin Coombs are the back row. It's Craig Casey and Kieran Frawley again at 9 and 10. Stuart McCluskey and Keith Earls who captains the team from 13. And the wings are Jimmy O'Brien, Jordan Larmer and Michael Lowry. Look, it's a really exciting team. If they can get some ball, they might be able to do some damage. But we did see what the New Zealand Mary team did the first time out to Ireland. So, like, 
I don't know. Does this matter anyway for the weekend, or is this just about getting? I getting think it does. Right. No, it does. It'll 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 create a great feel good factor if if Ireland were to turn that result around from the first day. Um, the Maori All Blacks had nine debutants that first night. They were brilliant. Uh, they won thirty. It was a thirty-two seventeen, but it was pretty dominant performance. Um, I, I think um, the Irish side. You know, for players who haven't been involved in the test matches, there's a lot of them there. They have something to play for here, which is um, really big for them. Um, and you know, Andy Farrell will want them to step up and, and front up. I think they've the concern and the challenge is that, and I think that's what I was saying to you um, Saturday night. Straight away, there was talk of the Maori game. It's that's what's next. It's not the it's not the next test match. It's the Maori game. And we've got to help and support them. Johnny Sexton said, I thought that was brilliant. Because if I was one of the players playing for, for Ireland tomorrow night, I would think, yeah, that's great. Now the team have just beat New Zealand, but they're all behind us now. And, they're, and we're going to get the focus and the attention that we need to try and get a performance. Um, you know, you'll find out a lot about the players. Can they respond? Can they get a, you know, sort out the issues they had? They kicked loosely in that game. The kick chase was poor and they got punished severely. Yeah. They have to really step up. The problem we have, Jer, is there's six on the bench that are going to have to double up uh, this week. And that's going to be a real challenge is um, for them to do that because it kind of it, 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 it's not ideal preparation. Um, but no. I don't think Ireland will be training a lot this week. There'll certainly be no physical kind of stuff. The test team... Um, no, you're right. But I, having to double yeah. up double up twice is, is tough going for some of the players. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll leave it there for now. Alan, talk to you again later on in the week. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers, lads. The rest of that bench, by the way, Rob Herring, Ed Byrne, Finley Bealham, Ryan Baird, Jack Conan, Connor Murray, Joey Carberry and Mac Hansen. You would hope that not too much game time for um, Mac Hansen because uh, he's going to be needed next weekend as well. Right. Uh, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, it's all Ireland hurling final week, though. And we have four priceless tickets to give away on the show this week. It's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. 2022 marks the sixth year of Borgosh Energy's sponsorship of the GA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship. To celebrate every day this week, we're giving away €150 and one for all vouchers. And more importantly, each winner goes into Friday's draw for an incredible grand prize of a €1,500 one for all voucher and four tickets to Sunday's All-Ireland Final between Limerick and Kilkenny. To enter, tune in to tonight's show. It's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. You can search hashtag Gift of the Gab for more. Up next, Anthony Moyles in studio. First, here's James O'Donoghue talking about that Sean O'Shea point yesterday in Croke Park. Back after the ad break. But James is right. I mean, I was—I know you probably were as well. I was in Thurless 22 years ago and for Maurice Fitz's point and one of the most iconic, not just for Kerry, one of the most iconic GA scores of all time. I think Sean O'Shea scored there. I was happy enough for him to actually take it. I was like, he's 55 yards out. There's a really stiff breeze. We could see that into into Hill 16. He probably has another 15 yards on it. It, it is, in the circumstances, 12 years ago we were here and Stephen Cluxton hit it free into that, that goal in a similar situation to win, break the duck, I suppose, and win Dublin's first at Ireland. He just feel like that kick, we'll be seeing it for years to come. It's an incredible way to win the game for Kerry. They've probably got away with it in the end, having been probably the much better team, certainly in the first half, but you can't understate what a massive win that is mentally for Kerry and then coming to the All-Ireland final as favourites in two weeks' time. 
And as you said, for Shawnee, what a massive kick. I spoke to Jack O'Connor there and he said that he didn't think he was going to score it. No. But I don't think many people did. As you said, 55 metres out and it's a tricky wind. It's not straightforward. So he really had to judge that well. And as you said, we're going to be talking about this for, for years to come. Yeah. Well, Paddy, in fairness, you were saying, leave him at it, leave him at it, leave him, throw a leg at it. And because there had been loads of wides into that goal. Into the Hill goal, Dublin in the first half missed four, Kilkenny missed one, Fenton missed one, Coslo, and kind of easy scores. Same with Kerry in the second half, Spillane missed one, Clifford missed one in there. So when Shawnee puts it down that far out, you're thinking, he has to deal with a, a couple of crosswinds. And to hit it, if you see the, the anger from behind the goal... Incredible. He started it miles out and just whipped it in. And you can see Comerford's inside in the goal shaking the post, <laughs> trying to get it to hit the post. Desperate but, times yeah. for desperate measures. Like. I, we were saying inside, we thought that they were going to get someone hoisted up to try and catch it. But it, it was so far over the bar. Even though he, he launched it from... Yards, like. he's, he, he's, he sent it over from six metres outside the 45 and he oh. sent it with 15 yards to spare. Yeah. So it's an absolutely unbelievable score. And you have to remember as well, on tired legs. Yeah. And if you look at the GPS, the GPS stats, right, how much a player is running the game. Sean is always the top of the charts for Kerry. He runs himself into the ground. So to have the strength in the legs to kick it over in the last minute, last kick, unbelievable. OTB AM. Two minutes past eight. Hello to all our YouTube uh, watchers this morning. Apologies, we were a bit late, but uh, you're there now. Give us your comments and um, we'll go back to rugby a little bit later on. We're going to go to New Zealand to Gregor Paul to talk to him. Uh, Alan Quinlan's already been on, so you'll get the podcast for that a little bit later. But Anthony Moyles is with us in the studio. Anthony, good morning to you. They're here for the important part. Exactly, exactly. We sit, we've just we've put the money in the machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've got the, the old mouse back on the treadmill. Um, Johnny was complaining in the ad break there about the, uh, the Derry Galway game. In response to what Andy was actually saying. <laughs> so, I never said a word, Johnny. Uh, we're going to talk, we're <laughs> talk with Michael Meehan about that a little bit later on. So let's focus for now on Kerry Dublin. Um, Kerry nearly choked. Is that what happened? Uh, like they, did they get in their own heads because in that first half they were killing Dublin and if the penalty goes in I think it could be a 10-15 point hammering yeah I, I don't think it'd be that but I think if the penalty goes in yeah they're, they're able to manage the game a little bit better um, like there were six up at one stage and you're kind of thinking to yourself okay I know the wind was a bit of a factor Clifford had a number of, of, of shots which kind of could have sneaked over and kind of they were probably thinking for every two that Dublin get we just need to get one you yeah. know we just need to keep the scoreboard ticking and they missed those and they missed a couple of them and my biggest worry for Kerry is and it's funny you know people talk about it being a 25 man kind of panel and definitely a 20 man game and it most certainly is and again over the weekend I didn't see anyone really bringing someone off the bench that made a massive massive difference to the game like actually Paddy Small had the biggest influence I really feel because he came on and he gave Dublin something completely different he gave him a lot of physicality in the full forward line kind of a la O'Callaghan and it's strange actually why they, they, they probably didn't start him considering I know his, 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 his game in the quarterfinal wasn't fantastic but he does offer something different but Kerry the Kerry bench didn't do a whole pile you know, like Spillane came on, Moynihan came on. I know he got a score, he was busy. But there's no real, like as a cornerback or a fullback, you know, Dublin switched Davy Byrne in very quickly, which was a good move as well because it was a fresh fullback coming in. But they didn't set the world alight. Like Spillane, I think, got off one shot, maybe maybe two, missed both. You know, Clifford was struggling at the time, at that, at that stage. Potty Clifford was probably a little bit spent. They were definitely spent around the middle. They, they didn't Moran choke, was it was gone. more they were spent. I, I think it was. It was, it was warm. 
and they weren't in the heat of battle like that all year and they were physically wrecked like I don't think they choked I think they were actually physically and mentally they were a bit wrecked by the end yeah and, and they were probably caught a little bit in trying to manage it like if you have a target in other words if you're Dublin and you're chasing down the target it's a lot easier you know and then you get a score and then you have fellas piling forward and you just get that enthusiasm and that motivation and that kind of intensity up but whereas you're Kerry you're caught between that rock and a hard place of do we push on and keep tagging on or do we kind of try to control it at times and again Kerry aren't the type of team we spoke about this about Galway Galway are not the type of team either who can control games you, you, they, they, their DNA says go for it kick scores keep rattling at it um, and Kerry I think get caught in that a little bit as well because at, at times they now Dublin put a massive press on them and Dublin did pressure them big time um, and all hats off to Dublin like I mean they, they were dead and buried and they resurrected themselves with basically their three main leader, leaders which is Fenton Kilkenny and McCarthy mm. essentially and Kilkenny had an un- unbelievable game kicking some fantastic scores at vital times but I think it's a worry for Kerry and I think the lack of bench coming on especially in the forward and full forward is, is a bit of a worry for them uh, Ray Orr says another day and that Costello goal would have been the talk of the game but it's probably not even in the top three talking points it was a sensational finish sensational finish especially after the first half he had because like I mean you probably I'd say to myself I don't think he's going to come out at the start of the second half he was quite poor he couldn't really get onto the ball made one or two really bad decisions gave a terrible hand pass away um, and you're kind of saying of the forwards Dublin need to do something here at half time to get this thing G'd up a bit and I thought I felt if they were going to win this year that Costello would have to be a footballer of the year contender and that was the game for it to happen in the first half mm. but um, in the first half None of them played well. Like, but but you know what, Jerry? He wasn't far off footballer of the year coming into this game. Like, I mean, he has had a pretty sensational year. But of course, uh, Tom O'Sullivan just went on to him, and like that's that, 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 if you ever want a fellow who's going to record footballer of the year, he's going to do it. Well, for he, you. I, I, he he should be in the conversation for it, right? Oh, absolutely. Like uh, he came up, so came up, kicked an unbelievable score. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and and but if you watch him, if you watch the game back, just watch his man marking off Costello. Like literally, he is. He does it so so well. He 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 he. he some guys mark you. Um, you know, they do a man marking job on you, and they're all over you, and they're grabbing you, and they're kind of. But what happens is they nearly get too close to you. So what happens is you're able to grab them, and you're actually able to wrestle them out of the way, and then you're gone. O'Sullivan always leaves a gap because he realizes he has the pace to actually get you when he needs to, um, and then instantly. As Kerry win the ball, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. So, like I mean, Costello spent a fair bit of time. Back. To be fair to him, he did it, but he was chasing and chasing up and down the field. Um, so it is, it is a massive thing to have for them. But you know, again, the Kerry full back line um, and that Kerry central kind of area with Morley inside was very, very solid. Um, and only a couple of times did it get breached, and and kind of where you thought there was a little bit of panic in there. But again, as I said. I think, I think if Callahan is fit, it's a it's a different game, of course, right? And there are ifs, buts, and injuries, and we've spoken about this before. But I think what it does is it tips the hat to Comer, right? In that physical player at full forward, you know, can they handle? Like Kelly's not a big man. Kelly used to play half forward for Galway, you know, and then he kind of came into the habit. He's not a big three. He's a guy who makes those lung bursts and runs. But as a physical, you know, an individual, a, a kind of bear on the square, he's not that. And you know, so what you have is you have you have you have you have. Um, um, Comer, you have you know the Kelly obviously who, who's who's your full back. You've got Clifford in against Kelly, which is going to be another big big man, six foot four. 
putting a lot of pressure on a smaller individual and that I think is, a, is an issue for Galway but then on the far side I think Foley is well equipped he's, he's, he's played very very well and he's, he's in the line for an all-star if you ask me so he's done quite well in that full forward line and I think he will handle Comer a little bit better than the far end OK so like you understand why Carrier favourites and it's a significant level that they're ahead the questions are managing game and the bench yeah, I think managing the game, the bench. I, I, you know, I still, I, I think Moran has had a has had a great uh, comeback. You know, but I think he's forty minutes plus, and then he's then he's out of there. Um, I think he tired. The goal very sloppy mistake for the goal as well. Yeah, the goal comes from you know. Which is funny because Conroy isn't Conroy's not the most mobile either, and defensively he's not amazing. But that's negated by the fact that Moran isn't either. So Galway, I think, will be hopeful in that regard in terms of midfield. Yeah, I think they will. And and you know, when you go back to the game on 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 on, on Saturday, um Conroy was kind of negated a lot really, you know, um and and as was Glass. So the two of them kind of nearly just put a mark on each other and just said, well, we're both kind of just going to put the hex on each other a little bit. So he didn't really get into the game as much as he can. He didn't have as much influence. Um McDade probably had more of an influence to be fair to him, even though he was kind of switching onto Glass as well. Um but I think more on I think the, their engine room is fine O'Connor will be fine Barry has came on and did a quite a good job yesterday because he hasn't really got much game time I think they're okay around there with Spillane and stuff it's more it's more that inside forward line um you know, when I start to look at the matchups, and I know we can get into this closer to the time, but you, 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 the Paddy Clifford matchup was going to be essential, um, and Dublin didn't do they, they did quite a good job on that yesterday. I felt. Uh, so the Con, if if Con changes the game so much, um, what what do you do in a scenario like this? Because I I did feel like if in previous years what Dublin would have done was they would have had a backup plan. And uh, they would have the backup plan in gestation for a long period of time if scenario A happens where Con is injured. And his injury profile, you know, because he's a very abrasive player, he does get injured and he does um, pick up knocks. So it's not it's not like he's uh, it's a complete shock. In the past, for example, they developed Owen O'Gara, who the rest mm. of the country thought, there's no reason for this, there's no need for this. Look at look at the lavish gifts you have in your forward line. Yeah. And Jim was like, I need him because he's going to do a very specific job for me at various times. They couldn't do that this year. They didn't get somebody like... They didn't, for all that happened in the absence in the league, when Con wasn't there, they didn't have a backup plan. And in the first half, they looked pedestrian. Kerry seemed very happy to give them the ball, knowing, OK, you're going to shoot. Those shots are going to be 40-60. And actually, it ended up being like load of wides that drained the life out of the crowd yeah. in particular and gave Kerry that very manageable lead that they had. It's funny, like, I think they had six wides to, you know, carry uh, one or two in that first half. And a lot of them were, as you say, just kind of, you know, just eking past the post and you're kind of going, and you could feel the enthusiasm, as you say, and, 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 and the energy out of the crowd and out of the players going down. They nearly had to bring the ball, bursting very, very close to the goal. McCarthy coming in on runs, guys coming in on runs and then off the shoulder. So they weren't able to put, just ping that pass in to the, to the D. They tried it once or twice. Um, and the Kerry lads got hands in and what actually won the ball. So they were definitely missing that focal point. They were absolutely missing that focal point. I, like, I mean, I, 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 that's why I say Paddy Small, I thought, 
could have started because he is he is he he belies actually I heard someone someone on the commentary team saying he's not a big man he is a big man he's six foot two he's he's very very strong he's predominantly left footed so he gives you that something a little bit different in there and he's well able to win the ball and I thought he did cause issues he caused issues for that Kerry defence when he came in because he's different and he is quite a power runner he steps and comes inside you and he has he has like the one thing about O'Callaghan and why he's such a nightmare to mark is. He wins the ball, that's number one. So as a defender, some fellas like to ship it off and you kind of say, OK, well, you know, I'm not going to get shown up. Someone else is here, but he won the ball. He will win the ball and will take you on every single time. Yeah. Now, that for you as a defender is the winning of the ball. If you can't get out in front of him because he is so strong and because he's, he's quite, he plays quite low to the ground, now, I know that's, that, but his centre of gravity is pretty low, even though he's quite tall enough. But he turns and he crouches down a lot, right? So he comes at you quite, like, kind of like Comer. You know, Comer, Comer's physical size, he plays smaller, if you get me. He's more like a barrel. So when he hits you and when he comes at you, like the goal, if you see the goal that he, he turns Rogers inside out, like he turns on a sixpence and is around Rogers before he even knows it. And if you also watch, Rogers plays him with his back to the play, which is always very dangerous against a big physical fella. Because what can happen is, if I'm marking, say, a guy who's smaller than me and I'm playing with my back to the play, I can hit him with my hands and stop him as he goes to move because he's smaller than me. But if you're marking a guy who's bigger than you or equal size, he can throw you out of the way. You don't know where the ball is, of course, and then he's onto it in a flash. So Dublin really missed that. Dean Rock isn't that. Costello certainly isn't that. Could they have put Kilkenny in? That's what they could have done. But I think they needed Kilkenny out around the half-forward line. So you were probably robbing Peter to pay Paul. I thought they would have switched Kilkenny in because I thought Kilkenny, you know, Kilkenny has drifted in there during games, especially in the league, and he's been a menace in full forward, forward. Do you remember a couple of seasons ago they really tried him in yeah, there for yeah. a time? And I thought this was, well, if we ever need a, a con Esk or even the two of them in there yeah. I thought they just needed to do something different to that full forward because everyone knew with the way Kerry have been defensively set up they are trying to trap you in that honey pot they're trying to get you in there and then they they close in on you you know so so everyone knew that it actually has to be fastball in there to try and unlock that it's, defense it's incredibly small margins well like Scully probably shouldn't have taken the point on um, yeah you know, and then do you give away a free like even fifty, fifty-five yards out? It was like just manage I, the game. I was surprised they didn't. Do I think the Dublin would have won an extra time. I would have fancied Dublin like in terms of their the bench maybe, and also hard just to know. Like, it, but it was, I, I think they would have been favourites in terms of the way the game had gone because Kerry looked a bit spent to me. Well, they certainly you would have been able to whisper into Kerry's ears, "Geez, lads, you had this. Mm. Yeah, you had this. Yeah. But we've got you now." Mm. You but, know. but I think if you look at the way O'Connor celebrated at the end. Like this Kerry team have been coming up against Dublin now for a long number of years and been getting to send them back mm. down the road, right, with the tail between their legs. And the Kerry Dublin rivalry and Kerry all were this. favourites, but you do forget that. Absolutely. Like. So, so this was this was an enormous. This was a five hundred pound gorilla off their back. Like you could see, it wasn't just beating Dublin; it was mm. beating this Dublin team who have had all the success over the last number of years. And and and, for, for, like that is. You can't really. Of course, you're going to tighten up. You know, you are going to tighten up as you come in because you're seeing the winning post. But yet, here they come, and you know, at sixty something minutes, when Kilkenny gets that next score and even a point behind, you're saying, "Oh, oh, this is this is this is squeaky bum time." The one thing that this Dublin team doesn't have that the other teams had, they would have taken that and they would have got a lead. Yeah, and they never got a lead. No, so we never got to see what Kerry would do when they were behind in that circuit. So it, there was... Okay, so they got level and uh, Kerry win the free 
um, I thought that was a harsh read at the end, but anyway, mm. uh, that was a bit harsh as well, actually. Um, the one, the the previous one, yeah, was yeah. But look, um, the previous one to go one up, yeah, yeah, There's a clash there. Yeah, it was it, handy it, enough. It, it, uh, the replay suggested it was harsh, definitely. Mm. Um, but they just couldn't get the lead. Whereas, like the the Gavin here, in fairness, completely different team with much better forwards. Always when they got the opportunity, they went ahead and they were like, "Now let's see, let's see what yeah, you're made of." Yeah, let's see what you're made of. And that, and that's and 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 like, so for that question mark. But I think, but I think if you weigh up the 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 importance of this win for this Kerry team against the the tradition and the history of the last ten years against, yeah. albeit okay, they're not, it's not the exact same Dublin team. It but it's still them. Kind of, yeah. exactly. It, yeah. it doesn't matter to them. It's still it's still the blue jersey. That I think was always going to, and that's why they they did kind of limp over, sort of like they limped over the line, yeah. you know. Um, but there's been plenty of games where Dublin have just kind of limped over the well, line in the last the stars, few years. Yes, you know? exactly. So I think I think it's an enormous game for that Kerry group to beco- kind of come of age, right? And then I think it's all stuff from Galway and Armagh, where Galway, like Galway, mentally on Saturday were just very very relaxed because they got over that Armagh. Horrific or mass situation where they nearly threw it away, and I think yeah. that stands you like. Yeah, well, it does. Of course, it does because you can go back on videos and you can say, "Listen, these are the scenarios that we were in, mm-hmm. and here are." It's not necessarily the scores; it's the moments that happened maybe prior to a score. So it's mm-hmm. a fella getting a block, it's a fella going for a ball. It's saying, "If you do not make that run, we don't potentially get out of our defence." And therefore, all of these little pieces show what we're about. And you can kind of, you know, you can you can re-emphasize that as a coach and as a manager. And and what it does is it gives the players and saying, "Actually, okay, we're doing." all the right things and that's why it was a little bit I, I did feel the carry in the second half was kind of like just get the ball to Clifford and he'll, he'll score for us uh, which of course he, he did in the first half but when it wasn't really working it was kind of going uh, what's next what's next yeah um, Sean O'Shea is 24 this week or next week uh, like so th- th- this is the coming of age mm. there's the possibility that this is a team who is stacked enough to be able to go on and dominate for a couple of years so maybe that's what they, they sense that opportunity is there for them. Um, here's a question from Sean Brennan on our YouTube stream. Will Kerry repeat mail last year, beat the dubs and fail at the final hurdle? If they don't have quite the same psychological baggage as, uh, as Mayo do. <laughs> not, not quite. Uh, look, I, I, again, I think I go back to, that. that is a monkey off their back. Um, but I think, I think Galway are First of all, go. I'm not saying neither team are are, are are run by lads who just came off the street, but Galway's management team for me. So people will be like, and look, I, we're Johnny and myself are slagging the game. I I I I recorded the Galway Derry game and I watched it back, and I I tend to do that anyway because I like to stop and go back and watch scores, and I I particularly do it a lot with Ulster teams because I like to fast forward the game a lot <laughs> because you know just some parts of it are just terribly boring. Uh, um, where the ball is just being knocked out. So, and I knew this was going to be a complete tactical battle, right? And it was all strategy. And I don't think Derry expected Galway to set up the way they set up. Like Gallagher, you could hear him in the interview, they were surprised by the fact that Galway sat in and said, OK, well, let's see what you got. And even after the first, it was 3-0... Galway still kind of went, come on, keep coming, you know, and they played it really, really well with Comer, I felt, with allowing Rogers kind of half going back with him, but actually saying, listen, you're going to eventually tire yourself out, and I am going to be the main man up the far end. And when it comes to the scores, you can nearly see Joyce talking to him in the pre-match build-up. He was like, you're going to have an influence on this. Because it's funny how you play Rogers. I'd nearly put a half back or a half forward on Rogers because Rogers is actually one of the main ball carriers for Derry and has clipped points all the time. But anyway, 
My point being, I think that Galway, um, with the management team, they will have a completely different style for this game um, and they will completely different setup. and I think they're definitely a horses for courses team like they, they have no problem changing their setup. they've no problem changing their strategy they've no problem changing personnel into doing different jobs yeah. and they all accept that which is by the way it's a hard thing to do by the way you know like Derry did not have a plan B on, on, mm. on Saturday um, Galway have A, B and C now it seems to me they can they can go long, they can go hard, they can run it hard, they can defensively you know hold, and if you go back, like a lot of credit has to go to Kevin Walsh and all that because for years Galway was a team where it was just a shootout. You know, you you right. score twenty, they'd score twenty one, whereas now they can do it either way, yeah. and that's going to be a tricky thing for uh, Kerry. I, th- I think body language as well, Ger. I think they um, they just had this they gave this impression that they weren't flustered at all, and like Galway scored about one point in the first half an hour, give or take. And in, in like I mean, it hadn't happened for a lot of their forwards. It was very frustrating. They just looked very, very relaxed. And I thought like five minutes in the second half, that game was over. Galway were they knew they were winning the game, and they they just look for a team that has no history of winning at Crow Park. They look very comfortable there now. They look happy, and they have. I I think Galway have score and quality to win this game without a shadow of a doubt. Because I think Finnerty will play better the next day. Shane Walsh, I don't think he scored even from play. His frees were unbelievable, by the way. Mm. Like. Uh, for, yeah. I'm not sure you've ever seen a footballer so talented off both feet. It's incredible. Like clever, but yeah, yeah. Well, for a guy who wasn't really in the game in normal play, his frees were unbelievable. Because he, 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 he was that, even his first free that he had to come out and kick with the left wasn't an easy free. He might and he just be drilled more two footed than Clifford, is he? That is, you're, you're seeing two of the, the greatest, the most like. What do they call him? Like the jazz, the, the 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 jazz musician among like you know crappy music. He is whatever they call him. He's like yeah. I've never I've never seen a guy so comfortable. Like and he t- taken freeze from like forty yards out in the wing, left foot, right foot, and they just seem to have a belief considering they've no history of really winning anything. It's weird. Maybe um, it's maybe it's Keane O'Neill as well. I don't, I don't know what. I mean, it's not. It doesn't seem like it's a coincidence that mm. um, Keane O'Neill's like they've they've now got this defensive structure, and also I don't know. He he just seems to be like the the perfect add-on in a backroom team. It's really unfortunate it didn't work out for him when he was the yeah the, the big absolutely. dog in, in Kildare. What did they do like, with Clifford though? Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know. What, like, no one knows what to do with Clifford in the in the first half, but in the second half, like Michael Fitzsimons broke even he broke even I think you know I, I'm not sure how much the wind was. the wind was a factor um, but I'm not sure how much of a factor it was uh, he certainly seemed to be does the wind explain the bad wides happening at the same end in the first half, yeah, like, know, I mean, like I mean, Dublin went. Like, some of the kicks just tailed off, um, but what it does is it, it it restricts obviously the area that you can kick from. You know, so normally you're kicking from forty forty five meters, which Clifford would be on the turn. Now he's thinking, actually, I can't do that. I need to commit about thirty thirty five. So therefore, he's making his run closer to goal. He's starting his run closer to goal. The ball, it all it it does have an impact. It does have an impact, but. What to do with them is is the question. Like, will Galway? I think Galway will have a kind of a, a a welcoming party for him. In other words, I don't think they'll just have Kelly on him. Silk is a very very good mm. cornerback and did an unbelievable job. Um, could they? I don't think they'll switch Daly out of six because he's just having an unbelievable year. Very very good going forward. Can pick a pass. Gets his head up. Feeds Comer very very well. Very intelligent footballer. So, you know, I think it, it's an issue. But I like O'Neill. 
that's what I'm saying. O'Neill for me is having a major influence, and and Boric deserves massive credit because sometimes fellas will will listen to your coaching and go fine, but actually <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing. Thanks very much. But you can see O'Neill's influence stamped on it in the sense of I think he always was a guy who would set up relative to say I'm going to take the main weapons away from the opposition team. So the main weapon for me is that that is the big one. Like Sean O'Shea is is a different type of player. You know, he, he, he he's not going to do to you what Clifford can do to you. Um and that could be the, the, the rock I perish on. But I think he's Clifford is 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 everything and encapsulates everything about that Kerry team and has become and is their leader, um and is a sense of if you can shut him down and that's why it's kinda of strange. Honestly, I thought that first half, especially if, if you're the more benign conditions, that Fitzsimons was nearly left one on one with him. Yeah. I thought Dublin would have should have brought some support back into him, especially when they were struggling a bit get someone in around him and just double team him um, you know take someone out from around the middle area double team him and just say right that's what we're going to do um, maybe Dublin were confident enough to say no you can go ahead and do the job Mick but that's I think maybe Galway they, probably possibly have to do that maybe you have to decide okay anything less than 10 points you've done well and we're going to keep if you can just keep him to 10 points where the rest of us are going to look after everybody else. Everyone else. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some part of it. Uh, Shifty Lad wants to know, what did you think about the goalkeeper wasting almost five minutes of a black card by feigning injury before the penalty? Good thinking or just cute whore? In fairness, like, uh, I, <laughs> some Dublin fans I was talking to afterwards were complaining about uh, Kerry being cynical. I was like, lads, I mean, you guys, uh, what? <laughs> John Small was black carded at the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So John Small was black carded and... Um, um, yeah, they managed it well. The hand went up if you see it straight away, it's right? Realness. Yeah, Johnny Cooper puts his hand up in the air. So, so Small goes off, they get they win the ball, and Johnny Cooper puts his hand up in the air. And he holds it up there for kind of an... Usually, usually Scully used to do this, where he put the hand yeah. up in the air. Well, well, Cooper puts it up and leaves it up there. So it essentially was... And what they did was, they do it very well, because they don't just play the ball across and back. They kind of pretend to you, oh, we're going to go forward. And they go forward... And then they come back again, and then they go forward. But all it's all about just maintaining the ball. It's all about maintaining that, the ball. That, that, that aspect of daily football now, um, as somebody who's not watching it every day of the week, is something that I think people have a, a serious issue with because it's it's boring. It's simply boring. And like the game on, like what, I'm not I'm not sure who you're referencing in terms of an All Ireland semi final on Saturday. Who says like I'm never going to get my 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 hour back there? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you a brother of mine. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, Derry Derry lost the game, but like there, there's nothing inherently. It's almost like often into a bad game of soccer at times where it's just possession for the sake of possession and Derry were doing that in the sense of just literally wasting time and it's not good to watch and if you go from a hurling game to a football game it's, it's, a, it's an amazingly negative contrast for Gaelic football and I do think a lot of purists and the final will be interesting because I think we will have two proper purists no, uh, no but, they, but how much are they going to morph into the fact that Kerry, they also need Kerry to win 50 men behind the ball and they we're did. very yeah. Derry-esque in that first half and no, they're they, really they, happy they, for Dublin yeah. to have the ball so like uh, I, I think yeah. Kerry are pure anymore like it's, but you can, you can, it's Morris his team won a very boring All-Ireland final hmm. by being very defensive and pouncing on a mistake the notion that Kerry have been like a swashbuckling go forward go 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 uh, not true 
Yeah, but you, ha- you had to change. Like you- yeah, exactly. But that's the evolution of the in, game. In relative terms, I think this final, it'll be interesting to see how much they morph into that. Because I think it's an aspect of Gaelic football now that people have a serious issue with. Whether they put a clock on it where it's like basketball, you just have to get rid of the ball after a while. Because that point that Kerry got that took three, that I think it took three minutes and eventually Clifford got, I, I, do, I don't find that enjoyable. Three minutes of possession in Gaelic football for me. And, and I think Jerry Canning's like, oh my God, that was an amazing point. It was like, was it? I yeah, think you, I, you I, have I, to have, yeah, I mean, is, is, is that what people want to watch? They don't want to watch it. Uh, like, I mean, but, you know. Is it entertaining? I, well, I used to, look, I used to. The crowd I, literally I, starts talking to each other. They just start talking to each other. I know, I and know. At the I game know, Saturday, I know. Yeah, semif- yeah. I, was at, I was at two All-Ireland semifinals in the last few weeks. The hurling game was, like, literally being thrown into, like, a bull ring for 70 minutes. And, like, what happened there? The football, <laughs> you, no you spend half the game <laughs> talking. You literally spend half the game no, talking. No, I know. Well, well like, I, so there's two things. Either, again, we can start tinkering with the rules again which I think is just you know the the old uh, the, mm. the, the consequences of that you know who knows so I used to I, when, when I was when I was young Johnny way back then and I used to come home on a Monday night and I would go to my apartment and I was young free and single playing football and I'd say right Monday night football and it was Wolves versus Sheffield I was like oh jeez seriously this is what I have to do on my Monday evening and it was just 90 minutes of pure absolute boredom as lads just kicked the ball around and there was no inventiveness there was no ingenuity there was no pace there was no so I think every sport has to go and adapt and for me and we've spoken about this lots of times I think the team that takes the risk the calculated risk, right? It's not being an absolute lunatic about it, but it's the calculated risk and it's, it's trying to change the game with, un- the with unbelievably... Well, bringing the goalie out, we'll get back to that, but bringing the goalie out absolutely to a certain degree, right? Um, but but if you look at, say, the rugby on Saturday or whatever it was, like the team that are able to now... Rugby became like just right... The team that was able to offload in the tackle. So, you know, turn on your back, pop up. That's that's the time. So mm. every, team, every game has to adapt. So, for example, you know, you think about Gaelic football... At that time, when Dublin were down to 14 men, how the heck... Do, why didn't Kerry do a massive press on them? I don't know. Just do a massive press on them. But instead, they actually allowed them have the ball. And it was like Kerry said, we're going to take a break here too. Whereas, straight away, I'd be saying, right, we're just doing a massive squeeze on them. Mm. Get get everyone up, get the keeper pushed up, and we all squeeze up the pitch, and we even push, squeeze up in comfort. Mm. And let's make hay while the sun shines. It's like the, the, you know, the sin bin in rugby. How many scores can you get when they're down to 14? So... Every game has to adapt. Every game has to, and so for against Derry, which I thought was an interesting ploy by Galway. I don't. That's why I think Gallagher did not expect that. I think he he got thrown tro- a complete curveball by that, and I think the Derry players were too. The Derry players seemed shocked, and when Comer got that goal, it was nearly like everyone went, "Huh." That's it. The game's well, it up. It was done. It was done because we don't have the a plan B here. Like yeah, and neither did we get ready for this. Yeah, and actually, I the do plan think a lot of Derry fans like, would have left the ground thinking like that was horrible to watch and like it was it was horrible in the second half because we knew the game was over. Yeah. And like we can play like that, but at the same time we were basically we got six points in seventy minutes. Um, yeah. So anyway, that, I, I think that's that ultimately is where you go. Like the Jim McGuinness thing. Jim McGuinness brought something different to football, but ultimately it was beaten because people worked it out and said, "Well, actually, this is what we can do for that." Yeah, it's, it's evolution. All. But I think people's attention span is so bad now that they can't necessarily sit through that regularly because a lot of it is quite boring. It is. But I, like I, I, I'm still a firm believer, and maybe this is just the meanness in it. But like the, the fastest thing from get to A to B is you kick the ball, mm. right? So if you want to move the ball fast. You need to get you know one touch football and get the ball out of there. Kerry, and that's Kerry were doing a good bit of that actually. They were, they were, and I think you know. It, it, but at times again, 
you know you have to manage the game you know and that's it uh, we need to talk about the Talton Cup very briefly uh, yeah. it, it like uh, notwithstanding the bad idea of having the north and south or whatever that, that mm. was called um, ultimately <laughs> when the teams who never played each other played each other it got good and exciting and yeah. um, teams playing other teams of a similar standard in the summer is really good for them who would have thought that huh I, 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 pretty genius really when you think of it, that out of the box thinking <laughs> like I was after, you know I felt for Cavan because I thought it was an absolute hung dinger of a game like, it could have went either way um, absolutely I think Cavan would feel aggrieved over a couple of things um, but ultimately both teams going full throttle to win a piece of silverware and you know I, I, I've often said this it doesn't make a difference what it is it could be a, a, a pre-season competition in, on Ackle Island to win a piece of silverware for any group is is an achievement. It's an achievement. You put it into the trophy cabinet you and you you get medals and you look at it and you say, well, there it is. There is the reason why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the importance of that can't be lost on anyone, um, not alone the authorities and the, 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 the hierarchy who, who set these things up. So delighted for Westmead. Westmead have been doing an awful lot of work. It just shows you, Ger, like Leinster football gets a bad, bad rep. You know, and you know, really does, and and like you know, you know, the me job is 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 in the, you know, is up there for grabs at the moment, and and people are kind of whether whether people want to take it or not want to take it. The the big big bad issue is is that you've got the behemoth which is Dublin sitting there, which by the way, when they beat you, it just knocks the daylights out of your whole year, and you have to pick everyone because you can't go into that game, or maybe you can. Um, Kind of saying, "Oh, don't worry about this. We'll just we'll just go on to the next day." You have to prepare. You have to because players will demand, you know, that they that they go in with a fighting chance. So what happens an awful lot of Leinster teams is is that the guts are kicked out of them after a Dublin performance. Yeah. And to see the Westmead lads celebrate, to see the way they played, the confidence that they had, the enthusiasm, the intensity, the front free running, it was just absolutely brilliant. Now I have to say, and a fair play to them, and fair play to Cavan, and, and you know what, the and the rest proper of the football fans from Cavan who stayed for the second game like I think that's testament these are proper football fans they stayed to watch Galway and Derry um, which itself was tough as a, as a Galway fan at times <laughs> yeah. they stayed the amount of Cavan people in the ground I thought was twice. really yeah. really cool like it was really really yeah. endearing yeah. Yeah. Right. Anthony good stuff no bother lads call the final for me now before we actually Galway wow alright you've made Johnny very happy this morning Four to one against her. There you go. Right. A reminder that uh, Brayburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of OTB. Every week we're giving one lucky viewer a hundred euro voucher to spend on some Brayburn Coffee goodness at an Apple Green store near you. To enter, check out at Off the Ball on Twitter. Like and retweet our Brayburn competition post, and you'll be in the draw. Brayburn Coffee never compromises on quality or taste to give you the best on the go coffee experience on the road. Available at Apple Green today. Up next, we'll hear more about Galway's win over Derry alongside Michael Meehan. First, here's Jack O'Connor's reaction in the aftermath of his Kerry side dramatic win yesterday. Back after this. Jack, congratulations. Through to an All-Ireland final. What a game of football. Really attacking. A joy to watch. How are you feeling after that one? Uh, delighted, obviously. Delighted. You know, it's, um, it's a huge relief You know, to get over the line because... You know, it looked looked like all the momentum was with Dublin there near the end, and uh, took huge resolve from our guys to, to dig it out, and obviously um, a magnificent kick by Shawnee in the end. And in that first half, Shawnee he had that missed penalty. Did you think at that point? I hope this doesn't cost us. 
Well, it would have been great to go in at half time eight up instead of five up. But you know, we kicked the first score of the second half, which was was was, was great. But Dublin were always going to make a battle of this and uh, show their true colours. You know, in the second half, the way they came back and you know some of their great players like your uncle Kenny and and those was really drove on. So that's off to Oflis to to managing to keep them at bay. Yeah, you can never really write the dubs off. You win in a half-time, five points up. There was a strong win, so I suppose you knew that Dublin were going to come at you. Ah, yeah, of course. That that was a tricky win, a tricky win, and 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 uh, Dublin found it hard to score into it in the in the first half, and we found it hard enough in the second half. Uh, that's why it's it's even more of a remarkable kick by Sean O'Shea. And that kick when he's kicking into the hill, you know, it was a lot of noise. As he said, the breeze, fifty-five meters out. Mm. Were you able to watch? Oh, I was. I was. I was. I was. I was preparing for extra time because I didn't think it was kickable, but uh, he proved me wrong. Yeah. A fair amount. Yeah. And are you happy that it, it ended in the normal time rather than oh, going yeah, to extra yeah, time? Yeah, look, our bodies were getting tired and we were unsure we had enough, enough in the tank to, to get us through extra time. Just delighted to finish it. Brilliant. Thank Thanks, you. Jack. Thanks for your time. That's uh, Jack O'Connor there speaking with Ashton O'Reilly. Now, uh, Michael Meehan is with us this morning. Michael, good morning to you. How are you? Good, very good, Jerry. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, Anthony Moses just tipped Galway for the All-Ireland final there, so, um, you know. Uh, I and, heard that, yeah. I heard that. Yeah, Johnny, it's, Johnny's been Johnny's, uh, beaming since Saturday, so, you know, all is good. Uh, yeah, as of, as has everyone down here, and even before Saturday, it, it kicked off really well in down in Roscommon with our under-17s winning in the All-Ireland against Mayo, so it was a great weekend on the on the Galway front. Uh, for the lads, anyway, Um but yeah, we're we're very excited. It's a great place to be, and it's it's been a long time. It's been it's been far too long. Uh, and I suppose you'd only love to have the three week build up now for for the whole of the of the of the of the population of Galway mm. and supporters to get into it that little bit. That's but look, that's not a that's not a reason to change what they've done. But it's just in times like this, um, you know, the bigger the build up as a supporter, the better. Maybe as a player, a two week window is probably ideal. You know, to get media out of the way straight away this week, and there's very little time. And um, you know both teams are, are, are ready; like they're not going to change, improve anything really between now and, and the All Ireland final. Bar maybe some tactical things, um, fitness, etc., conditioning. It's just maintenance now, so it's 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 a brilliant place to be in a, as a player. You know, twelve, thirteen days out from the big match. Let's talk about Comer because he he said himself he's had a, a rodeo with injuries. Like he he has we've we've missed some of the peak years of Damien Comer when he burst onto the scene uh, like like a bull. Everybody's like, oh, this is going to be one of the, the best footballers in the country for a long period to come. But then he just disappeared for about 18 months with a, with an injury and all the, the stuff around the diagnosis and all that kind of stuff that uh, here he is back starring in an All-Ireland semi-final. Like, he gets the, the bit that he deserves, which a lot of people don't always get in sport. You know, sport's really cruel, but for somebody like him to be the star on Saturday evening was just desserts, really. Absolutely, yeah. I think it could could well be about his ninth year now, you know. And and you're you're right, Barr. A couple of good years at the start where he had a he was young and he, he was just breaking through. He had a clean enough run through, but you know, over the last five years, uh, he you know he he's had just on and off and in and out with injuries and um, you know a, a difficult time put in, uh, especially when you're hitting your your mid twenties. You know, you're 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 at the peak of your powers, I think, as well, or certainly very close to them and. He didn't get a chance to, you know, to go back to back or put, you know, play, play, play leagues, play championships, you know, from one into the other. It was very broken, and he was being rushed back from matches here and there. And, and you know, that's 
it's never a good place to be in as a player. It's, it's not. It's never really an advantage for the team either. It generally doesn't work out. Um, but certainly, you know, even this year he had been steady through the league. I think if you look back over his score and he scored in every league match that he played in, he um, he 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 was getting goals as well. I think I think we've all. Re- I never forgot how dangerous he was, you know, uh, heading for the, the onion bag, as we call it down here. But uh, he showed everyone again and reminded everyone again at the weekend um, how dangerous he is in that regard. So um, he's going to take a lot of watching. He's, he's high in confidence. Hopefully he's fit and healthy. And um, it's just with a player like that, uh, you know, anything can happen. Anything can come off it, uh, be it through him directly or through one of the lads around him. It just causes panic. And I'd say he, he's a nightmare for for a backline to have to come up against because he has serious pace. Uh, uh, he can turn. He's he's agile for his size and he, he's a he's a man mountain of a man as well. So he's got he's got a lot going for him. Um, and you know it's it's going to be uh, the planning around what Kerry are going to do to notify him is going to be a large part of their work this week. I think Michael that's one of the special things about the Galway story this year like if, if Galway don't win the All-Ireland I think they've created so many memories and just to guess like he, he and Paul Conroy back in Crow Park like the, the injuries of Paul Conroy has come through as well and like the, this beautiful standard of old school football that he plays like beautiful kick passer and he and Damien Comer to get their kind of place the sun and the, 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 the roar when he came off was like it was actually spine tingling on Saturday like the roar for, for Comer coming off the the pitch and having that like the most you know certain stand innovation you ever get like does it there's there is a bit something like special about what's this Galway story this year yeah I agree um you know we, and we've Paul I suppose has been on the you know the forefront throughout the throughout the year because he was kicking you know outrageous scores from midfield there latter stages of the league and into the championship um you know and that just pushed him to the line right there and like I think Paul is he could be in year 15 now of, of his Galway career which is you know, quite phenomenal. If 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 someone could tell you you get nine or ten good years, you get get snap. You know, as an intercounty player, um, you'd snap his hand off. But I think Paul, bar bar that uh, horrible injury that he had, um, he has been ever present. You know, for those fifteen years, missing that one year in the middle. So, um, and to come back to where he's at it, it, is remarkable. But yeah, there's just there's, I suppose there's there's the fondness or there's, there's there's the thinking back to the to the glory days. And when I, when I talk about them. Uh, Johnny is back to ninety eight and zero one. You know that we, you know, there's just that fondness and and that that feeling that, you know, when when, when Galway are, are are good then and their tails are up, they're dangerous. And there's just that sense, and I think there's that sense is there again. And like you said, be it be that they deliver an All Ireland final or not, or victory in the All Ireland final or not, you know that that will be there, and there's something to build on. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot. I think the public have have, have reacted and responded. Um, and I suppose that's in in no short part to to, to, to Porik and his management team and, and how you know um, you know how I suppose the open he's been and direct he's been and you know he stated two or three years ago on on one of the shows here that, that you know he wanted to win in All Ireland and, and and people were probably you know. Uh, looking sideways at him when they heard that being played but you got to remember um, like Galway were about 33 to 1 shots give or take around that time like Galway had been a complete yeah. relevance in the, like, so it, it was a brave thing to say and he could have been mocked for that like yeah oh, I, absolutely um, and I suppose and, and when you look back over the last year or two then you know people are saying hang on what's going on here um, and I, I remember after the Connacht final in Crow Park last year against Mayo uh, you know, and, and talking uh, on off the ball about you know was it time for him to go or should he stay? And so like, you're, you're right, Johnny. That's that's where it was. But I suppose sport, 
sport is funny, and, and certainly I think sports with COVID, you know, had its extra challenges for, for everyone. Um, uh, and I think I'm sure the addition of Keen O'Neill as well uh, and his experience and knowledge has, has has added hugely to the to the setup this year. And you know, the players have reacted. You know, this this lad standing up all over the pitch now. Like you know, I think it's it's no surprise around here. But John Daly has been exceptional, and he showed it showed it the weekend there in turnovers as a rock in the centre of your defence uh, and just he, he's his sweetest left foot on the pitch nearly you know he'll pick a pass and he took a score for himself as well um, so you have you have players like that and, and along with Damien actually you know John Daly is someone who didn't get a, a great run of things in the past with injury he's a young lad but he's had two or three serious injuries and, and has had missed a lot of time so he should have more games played with Galway as well but you know thankfully it's, it's coming right for those lads now and the rest of their teammates at the right time in terms of what they're actually able to do on the field as well, there has been a, a, an evolution. So, you know, when Porrick came in, he was like, oh, we're going to go back to the old school of Galway football, yeah. which is much more fundamentally attacking. And then, like, that changed because that didn't work. And now it's kind of an amalgamation of what was there previously under the previous management team and the ability to attack. So Anthony Moyes made the point that they've got multiple game plans now, which means that they can, like they did against Derry, confuse Derry a little bit um, uh, by by giving Derry something they hadn't seen or expected from Galway, can they do that against Kerry as well? Yeah, it's well. I suppose uh, the, talking about the, the Derry game first, they matched up well. Um, you know, you kind of have to fight fire with fire, but they were they were very comfortable doing that. Um, and, and I think we were very very happy with the position that they were in going in at halftime, or even you know when they're three 0 down with twenty twenty five minutes gone. I know it looks bad with no score. You know, they held scoreless for so long, but I think they would have been quite content uh, to what they were limiting Derry to, um, given what we had seen from Derry throughout Ulster and, and in the quarterfinal. But then it's it's a very different change. It's going to be a different uh, type of game against Kerry. Um, you know, there's going to be far more uh, direct ball, diagonal ball, you know, faster ball being put into pockets of space, you know, between the halfback line and the fullback line, you know, even longer into O'Shea. Um, you know, we saw the goal, Shawnee Shea's goal, but it was a huge long ball in. And we don't have to think too, think too far back with those kind of balls called <laughs> consternation, I think, for Galway in, in the Armagh game. So, and Jack O'Connor will know, will know that. So I can, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see an aerial bombardment. We'll see a directness from Kerry. Um, and it's what Galway do, you know, to, to deal with that. Um, I'd like to think that Galway, you know, on the front foot then, the pace that they, they attacked with and they came out with, with the ball and ahead of the ball um, against Derry. And in every game, I think to the Mayo game and Roscommon games as well, you know, they, um, they're they very athletic now. And um, I think they can take anyone on, you know, you know, if they turn over a ball going forward, especially when you have a Comer, uh, uh, you know, Paul Conroy linking up the play, you know, uh, you know Shane Walsh as well, who was, you know, he was very well marshaled the last day from, from play. But, you know, he, he still is... Um, He's going to be a huge threat and he's going to be a huge part of what Kerry have to do as well. So um, I just think it, it, it's a very different, different there's, a, there's a lot of different conversations being had now this week for Galway and for Kerry with, a, with what, you know, in when they're planning what might happen here, here and here. But um, I think there'll be a certain amount of, you know, we'll, we'll deal with that, but we'll, we'll impose our game as well and, and, and ask for Galway. We'll ask questions off, off Kerry, um, see can they match up against our 
crown jewels. It's it's funny given the point you make about the aerial bombardment that we didn't see that much of it from Derry. I do wonder is that because they weren't allowed? It was there. A, I mean, obviously there's a conscious effort not to allow uh, those big high booming balls go into your full back line. But did Galway do something specific that prevented those balls from being delivered? Uh, I, I wouldn't have said so. I, I think from what I've seen of, of Derry, you know, they, they try to, to do what they're good at. They try to set up, you know, they're, they're putting four and five bodies inside the 21 um, and they were keeping the ring of space out around and and they wanted to free, free up their, their, their strike runners. You know, McInnes and Rogers and Ferris got through for a couple early on, but they, they didn't, I think, break through and get bearing down on goal, you know, at 100 miles an hour uh, as much as they thought they would inside the, you know, in, from the D in, let's say. Um, Galway didn't let that happen. They, I thought Galway were, were were quite well set up um, and dealt really well with, with Derry in that regard. So I'd say that as much as Anthony else, they wanted to stick to their game plan and to implement that, and they felt that that would have been you know the the, the best route of attack. There was times I I, I can remember seeing uh, Connor Glass wrestling with uh, Connor Gleeson, the Galway goalie, at some point. I, it possibly was, was it the first or second half. I can't remember now, but. I was there. Okay, there's a ball coming in here because he was he was he was on his toes, you know, in his way, um, but the ball didn't come in, you know. So there, I'm sure there was a there was a plan, but it just it didn't ha- materialize at all. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Porrick said that uh, he totally played that down after the game about the high ball. He just said, "Well, it was that was just a kind of a, a mad game against Armagh. We just did a few yeah. things." But he it's interesting because obviously this is going to be a massive factor. It will be a factor the next day. Simple as. It will, it will. Like, like we're we're a long time looking at Kerry with Donaghy and Gooch and and the, you know the the direct ball. And I know that those two guys are gone now, but it's it's still very evident in their play. Um, it, it, it's very natural if you go back to Bomber Liston. It's 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 always been in their DNA. You know, the, the quickest route to goal is the direct route, and the ball will move faster. So um, that's a lot of the thinking behind it. Um, and Sir Clifford is, is a giant of a man, and he's good hands. Uh, Aguini as well in there you know they have those options so it's very natural for Kerry uh, to do that so we will be seeing it um, we will be seeing it the next day the, 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 the goal with Kerry game that's uh, just had to look back the year there that, that you will possibly mostly remembered by 2008 so we're talking like 14 years ago now what was your record in Cole Park for Galway? Oh, for Galway, not good, I suppose. That, a couple of quarterfinals, 0-3, uh, a draw with Donegal, 0-5, a loss to Cork, uh, 0-8, a loss to Kerry. I might, there might have been a backdoor in 0-4 against Tyrone, but no, that it was... <laughs> and the Cork game as well, then, that was your last, was it? The... Yeah, 13, that was the last time I was in pro... Yeah, I was in pro for playing uh, I, I was back... Yeah, I, I, yeah, when you got that amazing goal at the end, which was kind of cruel, but like I guess the context here is like 2001 Galway were expected to be this dominant force under, yeah. when Parik Joy said that um, amazing in the second half. But this Galway team has just come through two games in Core Park where they've just won. And like one of them was obviously mad, but the other one was just like, it was almost like a formulaic in the second half. So the hoodoo is just gone all of a sudden after all these years. We're like 16 years or whatever we didn't win at Core Park. It's gone. It's just gone yeah. like that. Yeah, do you know? Well, I suppose it's there was a super eight victory against against Kerry there, wasn't there? Mm. Um, as well, you know, under Kevin Walsh. So, you know, the the rot had stopped, um, but but it, it was it was a real monkey. It was a gorilla on, on the back there for a long time for Galway. Um, but you know that, that it is. It's well and truly gone. And, and the Armagh game, I'd, I'd say the Armagh game because it was in it was won and it was lost and it was so. Mental. Uh, I think that was worth maybe two or three games of, yeah. of experience in Crow Park, to my mind. 
even with the pay, you know, the crowd that was in there for the extra time and for the penalties as well. Because up until that, you know, there's only three of those lads who played in that all Ireland semi-final against Derry four or five years ago. Um, so the experience of, of, you know, a big, big match day in, in Crow Park with, with, with the stadium three quarters full or more. And for Conor Gleeson as well, Michael, just to come through that, like, because yeah. it would have been tough for him. It was just one of these mad days. And he looked like there wasn't a bother on him on Saturday. No, he was fine. He was fine. I'm sure the the whole the the, the goal would have was what just took a glass of it at the end. Um, from from a defensive point of view, uh, the way they the way they got through and, and just slotted it in, no one would be happy with that. Which is a pity, you know. The game was won, but it's it's nice to kind of shut that out, and that will uh, wrangle with them a little bit. But no, Connor was fine, and like there's there's he's, there's going to be no changes. Um, you know, he he's been in now for all of the championship. Connor Flaherty got injured in. Who played most of the league, not all the league, but you know he got injured in the league final, had to come off, and uh, like he hasn't even returned to the bench yet. So you know there's going to be there's, there's, there's no changes there. Connor is the man. His his kick out strategy, they're familiar with now. It, it's direct. It, he's not going to take on any risk. He's going to move the ball. Well, I was going to say away. that to you. Is 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 the All Ireland final the time for Connor to be our auxiliary fifteenth out, outfield player and just give it a go against Kerry? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, funny enough, I've played against Connor um, in club league matches, and he often plays midfield for his club. So, like, it's not totally alien to him being out of the field no more than any goalie I suppose we see now. But, but I think I think Saturday evening was a good reminder to most um, <laughs> as to when the stakes are high. Maybe, um, you know, I think they, they leave well enough alone, and he has come out. But, but there'll be it'll be few and far between, and he certainly won't be venturing, you know, beyond the, the forty-five. I'd say if, if he does. Um, you're going to leave that to the guys in front of him. Um, Demo, Demo Comer kind of served up the reminder there, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, um, what a finish. It <laughs> was, yeah. It was, it was fast. You know, it, it was brilliant. Like, but he was, he was on it all day, you know. And he probably could have walked it in. And if you wanted, he could have sold it all the way in and, and just tapped it in if you wanted. But, he, you know, he just had that control. And it was funny that, um, you know, Brendan Rodgers had... had taken a couple of scores now I suppose they weren't always directly opposite each other so you can't just say oh his man scored two points um, because you know the way they, they drop off and the mark you know someone else was probably lined up for Brendan Rodgers potentially for one or both of those points but uh, I remember watching the league game and Galway shipped four goals uh, or took took uh, four goals uh, scored four goals on Derry and I just thought um, you could see even though in that game the highlights like I thought Comer was, was just able to it just looked like he was getting able to get away. He had the measure of Rogers in that game, um, and he was involved in a couple of those goals, probably scoring one of them. So I was—I'd say Damien was very confident going into that match, knowing if he was one-on-one with Rogers, he was going to take him on. Um, and we saw that, you know, clear, clear as day for that first goal, and the second goal, you know, it's just the icing on the cake. You know, he, he, as I said, he could have walked it in, he could have rolled it on the ground, but he just—he just glided it in, and it was, you know, elation and sheer confidence out of him. Michael, great stuff. Enjoy the next couple of weeks and we'll talk to you again, no doubt. Cheers. Okay, cheers, guys. That's uh, Michael Meehan giving us some thoughts on Galway's performance. You guys, are, you're excited. I was, uh, there was, like, I know, you, you kind of have this notion that, you know, when people poo-poo about Ulster football and all that, that it's like, oh, it's kind of like almost, um, like, arrogance or, or being snob, snobbish. Um, and and Gal- in, in fairness to Galway, I think you'd have to say, like, Galway... Um, 
going through the Kevin Walsh era, it was a very, very difficult transition to go to that defensive style. But there was definitely an element of the goal, the second Comer goal, where the crowd was getting very pissed off with the goalie being out the whole time and, and, and Derry Cole. There was, there was a real kind of schadenfreude. Now see what happens. And the place went nuts when the ball went in the net. It was like, there you go. Like, why don't you just play normal football? Because you shouldn't be bringing the goalie out. You've uh, left the goal over. Because bringing the goalie out makes a lot of sense, actually, yeah. when you think about it. It makes an awful lot of sense. Absolutely. But I think there was an element of, we're old school here. We, we we like the traditional style, and this is what this is what should have happened. I was I was with uh, Nathan at the game yesterday, and uh, in the midst of it all, when when Dublin got level, he went, "You see, this is where every other county has an advantage <laughs> over Mayo, because yeah. if the Mayo fans, if this was happening to Mayo, the Mayo fans would be screaming at every player from Kerry, kick it forward, kick it forward, <laughs> try to score a goal." And I was like. Oh, it's true. It's the the, the chaos what, of the fans has oh, infects the team. But what do the Mayo what do the Mayo people think right now? Well, Galway have walls into an Ireland final. Unhappy as it's possible. <laughs> Lee, to be. Lee, Lee Keegan just would not. He would not say who he was up for. Does he want Galway to win? Does he want Lee? Do you want Galway to beat Kerry? Can they let us know? We I love Westport. I love Mayo. I love Mayo people. Have wanted you to win all Ireland for a long time. Would be not reciprocated. Not not necessarily reciprocated. Right. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want Galway to do it after oh, all your years of not. trying? <laughs> they do not. They think that, that they they just want the next few weeks of their lives to be over and then they can get on with it. It's a comic famine as well. Remember, it's a comic famine of twenty one years. Okay. 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 OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. It's All Ireland Hurling final week. We have four priceless tickets to give away on the show. It's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. 2022 marks the sixth year of Borgosh Energy sponsorship with the GA Hurling All Ireland Senior Championships. And to celebrate, every day this week, we're giving away a 150 euro one for all voucher. And more importantly, every daily winner goes into Friday's draw for an incredible grand prize of a 1500 euro one for all voucher and four tickets to Sunday's All Ireland final between Limerick and Kilkenny. To enter, tune into tonight's show. It's all thanks to Borgosh Energy. You can search the hashtag Gift of the Gab for more. Here's what's on OTB Sports Radio today. OTB Gold at one o'clock is a tour of Park Harrington's gaff. Uh, Golf Weekly Cribs, that's what it is. Splunk at three. Our Culture Hall of Fame is Paul Howard. Um, and at six tonight, uh, OTB Gold, Lance Armstrong. Uh, OTB is live with Joe and hosting duties from seven. Make sure you follow us on all our social channels. Subscribe on YouTube. Next, we're going to get the New Zealand point of view after Saturday's defeat from Gregor Paul. Back after this. OTB AM. Right. Uh, remarkable scenes in Dunedin at the end of the game. And uh, Ireland are back in the series. And a big, big game this weekend. Um, delighted to say Gregor Paul is back with us. Gregor, good morning. Good evening to you. Morning. Um, so this is interesting. Because like, uh, certainly after the first game, I, I was very much... Uh, glass half empty there were some people telling me you know actually you know what if a few things go Ireland's way we can get back into it uh, colour me a doubter and now all of a sudden it's like uh, we're, we're fully back on board the bandwagon and we're very excited about it but at the same time there's this mad thing going on where the coaching ticket is really under so much pressure in New Zealand that this is like one of the biggest games in New Zealand rugby in the last number of years because if they lose there's a possibility the coach is going to get sacked so what's happening what's, what's it like is the, is the atmosphere building feverishly ahead of this game yeah like I think so um, there is definitely pressure I mean we've talked about this already that the, the pressure was on um, really from the end of last year when the All Blacks finished with a loss in Dublin and then a loss in Paris so when you're the All Blacks, t- t- uh, consecutive defeats gets everyone really worried. It's you know, where are we going? What are we doing? But they've backed that up with um, you know what was a reasonably convincing performance in Auckland, and then I don't know what happened in Dunedin, but you know Ireland went forward, 
um, really played well, were a different team, sharper, did all their homework, came back better prepared, more hungry. And New Zealand, well, they went backwards, didn't they? And now there's some serious questions building about this coaching team because you know, we talked last week on the show and I said, look, the All Blacks always accelerate after they've got that nervy opener out of the way. It didn't happen. They didn't have anything to throw at Ireland. Um, they showed very little passion um, prior to the point of losing, you know, their their players to cards and desperation kicked in. Then they had a bit of fight about them. But there's a real sense now that there's a a body of evidence building up against this coaching group that says recidivist defending here in terms of getting beaten up by Ireland, becoming a bit of a theme of this reign. They've got two tests in South Africa after they're here. And if Ireland can beat them up, goodness knows what the block pack could do to them. So... Like, are they playing to hold on to their jobs uh, for the coaching group? Uh, it, it, it's possible. I mean, New Zealand doesn't really do kind of um, axing coaches midway through World Cup cycles, hasn't really done that. But we're getting to the point where if there's not a performance out of this team on Saturday, it's going to be very difficult to see um, why this coaching group can be retained in its entirety. It might not mean all of them being bumped, but Foster, Ian Foster, the head coach, might have to think about jettisoning some of his assistant coaches and packaging a different team. It, it, it's interesting because if they don't get a performance against Ireland this week, as you say, there's no reason to suspect that then they'll get performances against the Springboks either. And there's now, no. it looks like Ireland and France are beginning to show teams a bit of a template about how it's possible to get under the this current New Zealand team's skin. Is there is there some is there an alternative game plan? Is there an alternative way of playing for New Zealand and what they're doing at the moment, or is it just about accuracy? Is, like, are the problems very fixable? Are there personnel issues? Maybe what's at the heart of the difficulties that Foster has at the moment? Well, that that is the question. I think uh, look, I don't think there's other players out there. I don't think there's a whole series of guys that they haven't picked that you could bring in and go, hey, presto, it's a different team. There might be one or two, as always. But largely, everyone agree they got the right players on the park. And you and I look at that team and you'd go, yeah, that that, that should be a pretty good team. Uh, no, no shortage of players there that, that are household names and have shown they can play at this level. So the, the problem at the moment appears to be 10. Just having a little bit of a problem with the line there. It's going to be technical, I think he said. There you go. Mm. Perfect moment for that to happen. First Hawkeye, now this. There you go. No, that line's gone, so we'll we'll uh, we'll get Gregor back. Uh, it is interesting though. Like if you got the opportunity to cause chaos in New Zealand a, w- a year out from the World Cup, you have to do it. Mm. So, like from an Ireland perspective, big 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 prize. But like the, the World Cup, like Hudo and the Irish head, is this over? No. If if they if they win the series, if they win next Saturday night, no. Are then then they say yes, we can win a World Cup. Uh, I mean, they they would say that they've thought that before, but then mm. they've been caught repeatedly in you know in matches that they could and should have won. We could and should have beaten Wales in mm. the World Cup in 2011. We surely should have been able to. Uh, look after Argentina, mm. and, and but we couldn't because we, you know, various reasons. But um. how is the um, <laughs> like the thing about Sexton is thirty seven today, so that's amazing. But like, are we ever any closer to this transition for the World Cup, or is he just there and still the still the dominant man at thirty eight? We have no choice. Mm. Like we have no choice, even though we four other. Four, like three or four other out halves. Yeah, not not good enough at the moment to play and. Um, 
and I, like we can't now give somebody game time enough game time mm. it's it's sexton or bust yeah so it's kind of like you, you can see the difference so we played really well for 15 20 minutes he got injured uh, and they scored a try and we fell apart yeah he played the whole game we played really well like it's it's not a coincidence it's like you know world player of the year now definitely in the conversation for best ever Irish player so like taking him out of the equation for the World Cup there's a really good chance he gets injured in the World Cup because like that's the injury yeah. profile yeah I, wa- I was interested well, just reading the, the player um, rankings from Peter O'Reilly in the Sunday Times yesterday where he said Gibson Park was essentially the best scrum half in the world at the moment I, which I thought was because I thought I thought Ireland had an issue with scrum half for trying to obviously get over Conor Murray and see but is Gibson Park just become that that good all of a sudden and I know he's not necessarily young but um, best in the world he was saying like I, look I don't know I mean I think it was a big statement I thought it is It is yeah. a big statement like um, they, have a, they have a lot of good scrum halves and, mm. and it's like uh, scrum halves look great when the forward pack is winning the game mm. but then so yeah, look I, I, I just always very wary of like oh we are world class at this because then the next game you go out and there's a few mistakes and it's like you know he, he's playing really really well mm. I think that's the how will Ringwalls get out, come out of his He's not going to play next week. Mm. He's like he gets a twelve-day exemption, and that's it. Like, yeah, he's he's gone, which um, you know, it's really unfortunate because he was he was like cresting into the form that we thought he was always capable of, like being international quality. Mm. He, he, like, he's obviously a very very talented player, but it's the the level of consistency of performance that we're getting from Ringers at the moment. Every time he plays, he plays really well. So mm. we can go back uh, to to rejoin Gregor Paul. Gregor, you were just saying that um, the issues that. Uh, that they have it's not about the personnel and, and like it's, I guess really one of the questions I'm, I'm kind of hinting at here is if Joe Schmidt was to come in and take charge of this team would it look very different? It would look I don't think the personnel would look different tactically, structurally it ha- yeah probably like the biggest single problem we've got watching the All Blacks is at the moment we don't really know what they're trying to become don't really know what type of game plan they, they've got in mind when they're playing. When they played it in Park in Test 1, we, we got a better sense of it because they, they had a, a plan that day. We'll, we'll attack Ireland at the set piece. We'll go hard at them at the breakdown. We'll muscle up in the middle of the field and hit them hard and, and try and play off counter-attack if the chance comes, and it worked. But then they, you know, they picked Scott Barrett at, at blindside to do that for them, to give them that you know set piece um, heft that they were after. And then they go to Dunedin and Barrett, uh, Whitelock's not available, so they play three open sites. Now, you couldn't, you couldn't mix that up anymore if you tried. Uh, and so they ended up in Dunedin with no real idea about what type of game plan they wanted to play. And, you know, people can make a big thing about the cards, but really the cards were a symptom of the pressure that New Zealand were under, partly because Ireland put them under pressure, but partly because New Zealand offered... Uh, you know, nothing in return. I haven't seen that much of an insipid performance from the All Blacks for a very long time. So could Joe come in and, and, and give them a bit more of a vision and understanding of what they're trying to achieve? Yes. But would that fix them in their entirety? Don't know. Personally, I think they needed, I think they need a new forwards coach because the story has been the same since November. In fact, it's been going back a bit before that, that they're, they're not getting enough um, oomph grant. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it out of their pack at the moment. They're up and down. 
And, you know, Ireland, France, England, South Africa play with a consistency of physicality and set-piece execution that New Zealand are not matching at the moment. Well, actually, on that, Gregor, so, like, the Ireland reactions, obviously, you know, uh, lots, lots of celebrations and so forth. But uh, on the other, in the other context, history is written by the winners. Before the first test, there was question marks over New Zealand, how good they were. You said this was one of the most insipid performances you've ever seen from the Kiwis. Their discipline was bad. So are we getting carried away? No, you're a good team. You've you got to separate the two things here. Like Ireland are good. There's no doubt about that. And they're a better team now. And this is what people in New Zealand are beginning to realise. You, you know, Ireland were good in November and they're better here in July. So Andy Fowle is taking that team on a journey. And uh, it, probably everyone in Ireland will, you know, get a bit nervous if I say this. But he looks capable of making Ireland a better team again when they go to the World Cup next year. So everyone in Ireland can think, whoa, we've got a we've got a pathway with this guy. We're on a we're on a journey somewhere. New Zealand were not on that at the moment. So no, Ireland shouldn't feel that um, you know, they didn't achieve anything. It was still you know, like even though the All Blacks didn't play well, they defended amazingly well um for forty five minutes, fifty minutes with men down, didn't they? So look, that's the resilience of that team. Now look, New Zealand just need to find who they are at the moment. And they don't have a they don't have a good sense of that. We'll get a better sense um, this weekend because this is desperation now for the All Blacks. This is everything on the line for them. And if they can't deliver something against Ireland, even if they don't win the game, but they've got to put something on the park that says, this is who we are, this is how we want to play, uh, and this is this is the, the, the journey that we're going to take towards the World Cup because that's the problem at the moment. We, we haven't seen it. Do you expect a change in personnel away from the three open sides and, and maybe there will be, that might have some impact? Yeah, well, I think Sammy Whitelock will come back because it sounds like he's tracking back towards uh, full fitness after a head knock. Uh, that would put Barrett back into the into the back row. And that that will probably be it in terms of the forwards, not sure. Uh, I think the, the hooker they bring off the bench... He might start, uh, Samasoni Takeaho. He is a brilliant um, post-contact ball runner. He's a little ball, um, and he he would he would fit the brief a bit more at the moment of punching up the middle of the field and, and causing an island a bit of distress. So he might start, uh, and Will Jordan, I would imagine, will play from the beginning. Now he's over COVID. He's uh, a, and David, David Havili will come back. Yeah, I mean, Will Jordan terrifies us. Just uh, the stuff that he did in, in Dublin was like, wow, this guy's very very good. Uh, yeah, you know, genuinely world class. And um, so, it, even those slight changes might tilt the balance back in favour of New Zealand. Um, it, you know, it, it's interesting to hear you, you talk about the the journey that Andy Farrell is on. Uh, a tweet went viral yesterday from um, one of the Welsh rugby podcasters saying, "Oh, congratulations, Ireland, peaking a year out from a World Cup again." <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, the, I think the one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence about that is that Andy Farrell is continuously evolving his team, and this isn't. Um, this isn't as good as it gets like that actually he's getting better performances and seems to be able to absorb it from but that's not what you're getting they're not the vibes you're getting from Ian Foster at the moment nah not not at the moment and uh, that doesn't mean to say they won't come but I think the problem is we've had two two years now two and a bit years and there's been no obvious progress despite coaches always tell you there has been don't they they're all working incredibly hard behind the scenes we've changed a few things that we've been doing well, all very good and well, but we're not actually seeing that in, in terms of results, in terms of how you play in the game. Like, it's not all doom and gloom. We, we, we do know that there have been periods 
in the in the last two years when they have put something together and you've gone, oh, yep, that's the All Blacks, get that, you know, the pass, the catch, the speed of how they play, yep, they're all there. But they haven't been able to produce it consistently. And there's a wee bit of a feeling that some of the some of the skill level, some of the sharpness that we used to see inherently in the New Zealand game is maybe um, not quite where it needs to be, whether that's because we've had COVID and internalization of super rugby, same guys playing against the same guys for too long, haven't been exposed to South Africa and super rugby, which I think has had a, a bit of an impact because we haven't, you know, the guys here to play the Australian guys are quite similar. They're ruck and run teams. They just haven't confronted big bruisers the way that they used to and that's probably hurting them a wee bit yeah and that's going to be interesting to see longer term what the impact of the South African teams coming and playing week in week out against the European teams or the Irish Scottish and Welsh teams maybe ultimately that's going to massively benefit um, rugby in this part of the world and that might be a kind of long term power issue for uh, for New Zealand like is it is it existential crisis time if Ireland win at the weekend pretty close um, well, it, it, it's it's made that way because what follows is two tests in South Africa. So you know you're out of the frying pan into the fire at that point. So like that that that's what's bothering everybody because if you know if it's two, if they lose a series at home to Ireland and then you're all on the road to South Africa, the 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 big question is okay. What everyone's beginning to get more worried about, I suppose, is the fact that you look at the World Cup draw and New Zealand definitely play France in the opening game and they're highly likely to be playing one of Ireland or South Africa in the quarterfinal, depending on what happens. And if we're, you know, if they can only win one in every four times against Ireland going into the tournament and if it's only one in every four against South Africa, why would you keep that coaching group? Because they've shown, you know, 75% of the time they can't beat the two teams that they're going to need to be able to beat. What would give you confidence that they're going to be able to change that in 14 months' time? So, look, New Zealand are probably doing what Ireland haven't done, and we're definitely not peaking <laughs> on the way, <laughs> on the, you know, a year out before the World Cup, which is one good thing. Uh, but I guess the question Kiwis are having is okay, you're definitely not peaking, but is there any prospect of a peak? coming between now and uh, November next year um, Everybody in this part of the world has been picking up on Peter O'Mahony's um, uh, little exchange with Sam Kane <laughs> on the ref mic uh, yeah. How did that go down in uh, New Zealand? Uh, well, I don't think that the old blokes uh, find it terrifically funny I, I giggled quite hard I do I do like quite a good sledge and he nailed it quite well and um, pro- probably hurt Sam to hear that in the heat of the battle like that but look it was um Test track, but look, it's good because I think it's it's showing the level of rivalry between these two, two teams. It's building up the drama. I quite like the fact there's a bit of edge growing between the players. There's a bit of um, they, they're getting to know each other. They've played enough now to know enough about each other. Uh, look, who who isn't excited about um, a, a thriller in Wellington, a decider in Wellington? That, that that's going to be fantastic. And look, Omani, great line. Will he regret it on Saturday night? He might, he might not. He might have another one up his sleeve if Ireland win again. So, yeah. look, it, it's, who doesn't love that? It's good fun, isn't it? Poke, poke the bear, see what happens. It's, uh, it's mm. good, Yeah, so maybe Sam Kane has the game of his life. Um, sometimes this happens. Uh, great to have you with us, Gregor. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thank you. It's uh, Gregor Paul there, uh, live from New Zealand, where apparently they're having a, a tropical storm, so that, hence the internet issues. Um, McCluskey starts against uh, the Mary All Blacks tomorrow. If he plays well, he could make the team on Saturday, asks William Albert. I don't think so. I don't... Um, I don't think so. I think they're more likely to put 
Uh, it's interesting they picked Earls at 13 so they, you know he can and he's already been on the bench uh, during this so maybe it's him and Bundy comes straight into the team um, that's what happens for that uh, DuPont or Aaron Smith would surely argue that point where you best scrum half in the world says yeah. Mike Dunning well DuPont is the best player in the world so he's probably the best scrum half you probably should have thought of that actually yeah uh, it's a good job Hawkeye wasn't in the game yesterday or that fantastic carry free kick at the end would have been worldwide <laughs> it could have there was there was a there was an angle that one of the Dubs fans afterwards was saying eh, but, but I saw it on telly and it didn't look like it was over but like at the game it looked like it was kind of yeah I, I, I think um, the I think the pressure kick uh, narrative was overplayed a bit because I, I don't think that's a massive pressure kick because like if he misses that nobody it's exactly, so difficult yeah, yeah. whereas if it's if it's like if it's very scorable to, to just get you into extra time you know that was that was like bonus territory well, um, but he na- like he nailed it with so much despair like he, he like the, yeah. the distance it, it would have if he were 10 yards further back I think he still would have scored yeah I think the, the, the kick to draw the game is more pressure uh, totally. than the kick to win the game like so we, we had that in the Dublin side now it turns out and I, I like the mark it was brought forward I think Small was was, was, was uh, fouled pushing the back so yeah. it's like Dean Rock is very very scorable free but I think it was bonus territory but well, Jesus he nailed it like like he he did take a minute and a half over it, right? Mm. Which uh, there is that as well, and know, he blew up straight away. He did, yeah. which I thought that like, I thought it, I thought he was. Go- I thought the ref would have given him a bit more. Well, because he took so long to take the free, mm. and also the Dublin just didn't manage the end of that game really well. No, they didn't. Like Dean Rock could have taken longer over the free, and when the kickout was happening, they could have done what they did to Mayo all those years ago and just pull everybody to the ground and go, "We're going to we're, we're going to take extra time here because we have the mm. the big mo." Well, they, so. they, they 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 did pull uh, Clifford to the ground. Probably not thinking. You know, I, I'm sure I wasn't thinking. I forget who fouled him. It was like, God, uh, Davy Byrne. But um, Davy Byrne, yeah, is he going to score from here? It was the, the, the previous. previous. The, there, and there was an opportunity well. to. There was an opportunity to take somebody down. To be honest, now I have to say, I thought at half time Dublin were absolutely. I thought they were oh, going to collapse. Carry, I, I thought like, they were done. Finished. Yeah, I was amazed. Over. Like I, I was like Dublin. I said Kerry going to win this by about ten points. That's what I thought. Even at half time, yeah. I yeah. thought Dublin's body language all year has been bad. But fairness, they 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 didn't. I feel a little bit sorry for them because I think they at the very least deserved extra time. And I think an extra time, I would have fancied them to win. I thought Kerry were would have been interesting to see what happened. I think they were a bit shot. Yeah, but right. the real battle is ahead for them. There you go. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by. Let Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We're back tomorrow for half seven. Owen will be back in studio. He took the day off because he wasn't sure if they were going to win or lose. And either way, it's I told him last week. I told him it's going to be Galway Kerry final. We'll be chatting with Connacht head coach Andy Friend, as well as giving you the latest updates and live reaction to Ireland's match with the Mary All Blacks with Keith Wood and much more as OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.